The U.S. Department of Agriculture's first-ever survey of hemp production found an industry worth more than $800 million. But the recent report also showed a glaring diversity issue. Just 6% of hemp growers are black. Cannabis has been a hard market for people of color to break into, but some hope hemp could offer a new way in. Harvest Public Media's Corinne Ruff recently visited what could be Missouri's first black-owned industrial hemp site. If you drive just northwest of Missouri's Lake of the Ozarks, you'll pass Mennonites and horse-drawn buggies and come across a curvy road that leads to a wrought iron gate. Behind it sits a forgotten piece of Missouri's black history, Lake Placid. The private black-owned cabin retreat thrived in the mid-1900s, but it's fallen into disrepair. We've got what I call dilapidation. Brendalyn King walks around a group of old cabins built in the 1940s. They sit at the entrance to 244 acres of land that she and her partner recently purchased. They co-founded what they call the Salem Hemp Kings, and they're one of about 130 licensed industrial hemp producers in Missouri. We want to be a black-owned hemp processor. We want that to be a part of our legacy. We moved here for this. We got a little sidetracked, you know, a little forks in the road, but it ended up being a nice road to be landed on. It was a windy road for the St. Louis native and her partner, Osai Doyle, to Lake Placid. They first started growing hemp in Illinois in 2020, but their deal to buy land fell through. Then they found Lake Placid and fell in love with its history. Now their goal is to use this hilly land as a testing ground to create hemp-based products, such as building materials to fix up these old cabins. King says hemp stalks can be turned into something called hemp herd and used as a wood alternative. Anything wood can be used from hemp. So pressing that hemp herd together in like floorboards or wall boards. This is a little atypical for hemp farmers. Most are growing it to make CBD, the plant extract used in things like lotions and oils. And Angela Dawson is trying to help more black farmers learn how to do that. She's the founder of the 40 Acres Co-op, based in northern Minnesota. And she runs a mentorship program helping black farmers across states, including Illinois and Indiana. Dawson teaches how to grow hemp for CBD on a small scale. We are using hemp as the economic basis and stimulus for really creating opportunities for our businesses because, you know, you may or may not know, but it's really tough to be an organic farmer. It usually doesn't pencil out in terms of income. She says growing hemp requires specific techniques and the right strain. Dawson has spent the last three years developing a hemp strain that won't test over the legal limit of 0.3% of THC. That's the psychoactive component of the plant. Testing too high can result in farmers losing their entire crop. Yet experts such as Leon Moses say access to capital and land are the biggest barriers to entry for black farmers. No, I don't see a lot of opportunity, but I do see opportunity. Moses is the farm superintendent at North Carolina A&T State University. He helped bring the industrial hemp program to the historically black institution in 2016. He says if the federal government wants to increase diversity in hemp, it needs to offer the resources. First and foremost is provide either low interest loans or grants or those kinds of things that make funding available for those farmers that may not have the funds. Back in Missouri, the Salem Hemp Kings have already jumped that barrier. They have their land at Lake Placid, thanks to support from friends. 
But King says it'll be a few years until they can plant their first crop. I know that it's a lifelong process. I'm not going anywhere. So even to know that we have a lot of ideas, but also see my life horizon, I'm like, yeah, I've got 50 years. <laughs> in that time, King hopes to help other black farmers seize opportunities in hemp too. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Corinne Ruff. Hi, we're backstage at the Trevor Burbick Theater. This is where we take the Chris Rock show. Ah, my first writing staff. You know, they really wanted to get to know the black experience. So I fired. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon workers in Staten Island have voted to become the first in the U.S. at that company to unionize. And that was after an energetic and well-funded campaign against forming a union on the part of Amazon, which had a history of successfully defeating efforts to organize. NPR's Andrea Shu has been watching the story, joins us now. Andrea, thanks so much for being with us. Hi, Scott. And tell us, please, about this facility on Staten Island, where workers have voted to unionize. Yeah, it's a huge warehouse. It's the largest of four Amazon facilities on Staten Island. More than 8,000 people work there, picking up items for customer orders and packaging them. And more than half of those workers turned out for this election. And in the end, the union came out on top by a pretty sizable margin. But, you know, it was a tough road getting there. The organizing was led by this former Amazon supervisor, Chris Smalls, who just created something he called the Amazon Labor Union. He spent months last year gathering enough signatures to petition for a vote. He had to do it all over again after the first petition was rejected, and he, he raised money for all of this through GoFundMe. They didn't have the deep pockets and organizing power of big labor behind them. And as you said, Amazon put on a fierce counter campaign. They held mandatory meetings at which workers were told they're better off without a union. And they did convince quite a few people. By no means was this a landslide. Well, what, what seems to have made this effort at unionization successful, where uh, others at Amazon have not been? Well, a lot of it really was people like Smalls and his co-founder, Derek Palmer, reaching out to their friends and co-workers. The local bus stop became their gathering place. They'd catch workers heading home from their shifts. They'd have a bonfire going and s'mores. And Smalls said this is where they drummed up support based on their common experiences. We are Amazon workers. Whether we form or current, we know the ins and outs of the company. We know these grievances better than anybody. We live this reality every single day. I lived it for five years. They're still living it. You know, this is what it's about. Andrea, of course, we want to note that um, Amazon is among NPR's financial supporters and also distributes certain NPR content. What has been the reaction from the company? Well, Amazon said it's disappointed in the outcome of the election and indicated it may file formal objections. But the union's going to look to collective bargaining now. They have a long list of demands, everything from higher wages to longer breaks to better health and safety protections. And they're also busy with another union election later this month at the Amazon warehouse that's just across the street. You know, outside observers say the Staten Island vote is a real breakthrough. Here's what Patricia Campos Medina of Cornell's Worker Institute told me. This is like the spark that lights the fire. And she says, you know, you can expect to see big labor jump on the bandwagon now that everyone sees organizing at Amazon can be done. The AFL-CIO, the Teamsters, the UFCW, SEIU, all those unions who have been claiming that they were going to organize Amazon, now they're going to pay attention. But Andrew, how much is this is this one vote so far isolated an indication that unionization at other Amazon facilities elsewhere 
we may have a better chance of success. Well, you know, even Chris Smalls acknowledges that Staten Island is a much more union-friendly place than most. Here's how he put it. New York is a union town. I do know that every worker uh, knows somebody that's in the union, related to somebody that's in the union. The bus drivers, they get off the bus every day. They speak to union members. He says it's a much steeper climb in places like Bessemer, Alabama, where votes were also counted this week in a do-over election there. That one is too close to call, and we may not get a result for weeks. And let's not forget, this is Amazon. They have spent millions to fight the union campaigns and have millions more where that came from. NPR's Andrea Shu, thanks so much. You're welcome. As a teenager, my first job, uh, I was 16 years old, and I worked at the hospital on weekends and during the summers. You were the first African-American yes, aide there. Nursing, yeah, nursing assistant. Tell everybody, I, mean, I think it's important as you talk about these first. I mean, the... the, the <laughs> Dr. Napoleon Knight is rare. He's African-American, he's a physician, he's a male physician, and he's a top-level administrator, the first black chief medical officer for Carl Health. In this conversation with WGLT's Charlie Schlenker, Knight says only about 5% of U.S. physicians are black and 2% are black men. I say from an African-American you know, physician perspective, I still have work to do to try to ensure that there's more people like me that are coming through the pipeline because they'll be bringing other people along behind them. What are the things that come into play to make it such a small number? You know, in order to become a physician for anyone, it's a long journey. I used to drive my father crazy because he would ask me all the time, am I ever going to be done with school? You have to pass your tests, you have to get into a residency program, you have to survive the residency program, and then you have to go to a place, practice, and do good work on top of that. So it's time-consuming, it's expensive. A lot of people, if they don't have parents that can afford to send them to school or scholarship assistance, it's not unusual for someone to come out of medical school $250,000 in debt. And a lot of people look at that and it's just a pill that they're not sure that they're willing to climb unless you have great support systems along the way, mentors along the way. Then for some people, I think they lose their way before they get there. Do fewer African-Americans have all those things than the rest of the general population, the access to capital, the support network, the access to mentors, all of the things that you mentioned? If 5% you know, the physicians in the, in the country are African-American, then for an African-American medical student who's trying to find an African-American doctor to be a mentor, that can be tough to do. You have to look at it as a multi-year journey. A, you have to have a lot of students you know, in high school that have the ability to connect to people like me and say, oh, that guy's the doctor. And oh, you know, that doctor happens to be black. And oh, he's willing to take some time to talk to us and explain what happened. So I can see that that's something that I can do. For me, the only African-American doctor that I knew was my family doctor, Dr. Noel. And no matter when I would come back to town, I would call him. I would talk to him on the phone. He would engage me in conversation. And so you got to start with those people. But then you have to work with their parents and say, you know what? This child has, you know, an aptitude. How long is it going to take to get from 2% to 5% to 7% or whatever is representational? Sure. But I believe that when I went to medical school, the number was about the same. I've been practicing medicine for over 30 years. To make it better, there's societal things that we have to do to help 
this type of job, but others as well. I mean, if science, technology, engineering, math, you know, STEM, those are just places where there just aren't a lot of people who can help rise the level of other people that want to be involved. When you're in school, your teachers have to believe in you. They can't say, well, you can't do it. And I can tell you, I had teachers like that. Oh, you can't do it. And I'm like, well, I'm doing it. So what do you mean I can't do it? And then the channels that you go through to get wherever you want to go have to be open. And I don't think that there's any question that over time in our country that continues to get better, there have been times where doors weren't open for certain types of people. How are you trying to affect change? I like to talk to people. I'm trying to make myself available to connect with young people. There's an organization here at Carl, the Black Physicians of Carl, with a thought that what we can do to really influence healthcare going forward into the future is do what we can collectively to try to encourage more people like us to come into the pipeline. How many people are in that African-American physicians group at Carl? When I came to Carl, it was back in 1990, there were maybe two or three physicians at that time. And actually for a period of time, I think I was the only African-American physician that was there, but our numbers have steadily grown. So I think the number now is like 45, 50. And you talked about making yourself available, but do you do specific activities? What happens? Yeah. For example, we have the Carl Illinois Medical School. We try to support those students, you know, when they're applying to the medical school by giving them the opportunity to actually meet and talk to physicians. We try to give them the opportunity to reach out, you know, from a mentorship perspective after they're here. And it's not even a big thing sometimes. I mean, I call them up and I go, we're going to lunch. And they're like, well, I'm studying. And I go, well, I know you're studying, but we're going to lunch. It's just an opportunity to talk because people need to know what possibilities there are. Because in medicine, there's all kinds of things that you can do. It's like, well, what do you really like to do? Let me help you narrow this down so you can have a better focus and how you should structure yourself. And sometimes with the people that I'm mentoring, I say, you know, if you're having a hard time, just pick up the phone and call me because every once in a while, everyone needs a little kick in the rear to help get them back on the pathway or just a listening ear to hear about some unusual thing that happened to them. You know, I've been called inward, you know, multiple times during my practice career. And but if it's the first time that you're having that happen to you and you're a student in training, I mean, that's like, whoa, and how do I deal, you know, with that situation when I have to keep taking care of the person who actually used that word when they were talking to me? How do you do that? Deal with someone that prejudiced? <laughs> it's, it's, this is a, a real story. I took care of a guy one time, the first time I was ever working in an emergency department. And I never changed. I tried to be kind, polite, respectful to people. And I told him that he needed to go to a different hospital because we couldn't take care of him at the hospital that I was at. We just didn't have the resources. And he said, well, I'm not going. I said, well, if you don't want to go, that's okay. But I can't take care of you here because I don't have the resources. Then what you'll have to do is you'll have to sign out against medical advice and I would suggest that you don't do that, but it's your choice. And he just went on and on and used the N-word and things like that. And I eventually just called the hospital administrator and said, well, I've done what I can do. Good luck. And he used a few choice words with that person, too. <laughs> and eventually we got him to do what needed to be done. And off, you know, he went. But if it's out of your hands, you have to put it in the hands of other people who might be able to help. I have to tell you that I've actually took care of him 
on more than one occasion down the line as well. And actually, he and I today talk very respectfully to each other because I actually saved his life one time <laughs> when he came in not doing so well. How do you set aside that offense and that hurt in the moment? The vast majority of people, I believe, are good people. But there are some people in the world who they're just the way that they are. All I can do in that situation is lay out the facts. And the facts are, I'm here to help you. If you want my help, I'll give it to you. We're not there to be disrespected, yelled at, threatened, cursed at. And so most hospitals actually have policies in place that say, you know what? If you're exhibiting this type of behavior, we're going to offer to let you go some other place because the people taking care of you do not deserve to be treated in this way. And I've been totally supported by any hospital that I'm in when things like this happen, and it's happened in more than one hospital, but there's always been support institutionally. It's really important. And I think that at least in our system, we've done a great job saying to our staff and our physicians that no, 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 that's not happening. If you're going to be here, you're going to act in this way. If we have to have security come and stand in the room, that's what we're going to do. But everyone has to be able to do their job and do it effectively and do it without fear. Um, otherwise, they can't really provide the best care that they could for that patient. That's Dr. Napoleon Knight, the first African-American chief medical officer for Carl Health. He spoke with WGLT's Charlie Schlanker. Well, explain to me why you want a, a white dentist all of a sudden. Because I want the best available dentist for my tooth. That's why. Now, just by coincidence, the best dentist schools are of the white people, by the white people, and for the white people. <laughs> now, don't it seem likely that the best dentist would be white? White dentist, please. Health is under fire tonight. Several doctors we've spoken to claim the health care system has engaged in discrimination. Two of them have filed lawsuits. Our Brandy Cummings has spent months looking into the cases and talking to the doctors along with Sutter Health. Serious allegations against one of the largest health care providers in California. Two pending lawsuits detail claims of racial discrimination, harassment, and retaliation. So there's really no other place to turn. I filed a lawsuit because I know that other black doctors have felt that they are unable to speak and there are no internal channels, they've been closed. In a June lawsuit from Palo Alto-based ophthalmologist, Dr. Omandi Nyango, the suit claims he has been subject to a pattern of racial discrimination, including pay and promotion discrimination, down-leveling, biased reviews, heightened scrutiny, and racial harassment. Dr. Nyango has worked for Sutter 14 years. According to his lawsuit, although he was the first and only black physician to ever chair any department within the Palo Alto Medical Foundation region of Sutter Health, he was demoted. I was suddenly replaced by uh, two white doctors, and I was told by Sutter leadership that they were not ready for black leadership. And specifically what I was told is that it might be 10 years before people like me could enter into leadership. So that would be the year 2027. Yeah, we're not quite there yet. Dr. Nyong'o's claims were thrust into the international spotlight when his cousin, actress Lupita Nyong'o, posted about the lawsuit on social media back in July. Join me in echoing his call for an anti-racist workplace that serves, respects, and values healthcare workers and patients, she said. Another lawsuit was filed in August last year against Sutter Health by Dr. Stephen Noble. It claims the hospital system used false allegations and intimidation tactics to target their own doctors, especially black and other minority doctors, to keep them in line. 
When reached by phone, neither Dr. Noble nor his attorney wanted to comment. But in the suit, Dr. Noble says Sutter lied to him and made false promises about the job they were offering him. He says the hospital system cut his salary by 60%. The suit says he was the lowest paid full-time cardiothoracic surgeon in the U.S. Dr. Noble, according to his lawsuit, is a board-certified surgeon who served in the military seven years. He started working at Sutter Gold in Modesto in 2018 and resigned after two years, but not before enduring what he called racially motivated mistreatment and humiliation. In its initial court filing, Sutter denied all allegations in both lawsuits. Both cases are continuing through the court process. I talked to several doctors across the state about how they say they've been treated while working for the Sutter Health System. One doctor was reluctant to speak to me for fear of retaliation. Another doctor would only speak to me if we concealed her identity and changed her voice. She says one of the reasons why doctors are reluctant to speak out is because they don't think anyone will believe their stories. We'll call her Dr. Ann. I just want it to be known that this is not a rare um, thing that happened. It happens quite often. Dr. Ann is a former Sutter physician who worked in the Bay Area. She told me the details in both pending lawsuits are similar to what she faced. I experienced uh, several um, situations um, that, that just felt like it was not so much a um, person providing a service and having um, uh, and having that um, being looked at like any other person providing a service. It just felt like that there was a um, racist component to it. In an arbitration brought by a different doctor, KCRA 3 has learned late last year Sutter Medical Group was found liable for racial discrimination, harassment, and retaliation, and required to pay a former African-American doctor millions. I spoke to the attorney handling that case. He told me he couldn't comment because the arbitration process is still ongoing. Meanwhile, no one from Sutter was made available for an interview, but the spokeswoman released this statement regarding the lawsuit saying, quote, Sutter Health takes any allegations of discrimination very seriously. We deny having taken or participated in any discriminatory or retaliatory conduct against Dr. Nyong'o or Dr. Noble. She went on to say, we are committed to fostering a diverse and inclusive workforce, as well as a work environment where all are treated equitably with dignity and respect and provided the opportunity to reach their full potential. As a not-for-profit healthcare system serving diverse patients and communities, we do not tolerate discrimination of any kind. While both lawsuits are making their way through the court system, everyone I spoke to told me they hope, if nothing else, these lawsuits lead to change. Dr. Nyong'o's attorney, Kelly Dermondy. He wants to make Sutter better because he wants Sutter to be a place where the most excellent patient care is possible and the most excellent patient care is care that is not informed by bias and discrimination and it's full of, uh, of concern for equity. So um, the hope is that that will happen for Sutter, both for Sutter's benefit as an institution, but of course, for the patients. I'm Brandi Cummings, KCRA 3 News.
Now, it is important to note here that most doctors are not employed by Sutter Health itself. Most of them work for independent medical groups like Sutter Gould Medication or Medical Foundation or the Palo Alto Medical Foundation. A spokesperson for Sutter Health says that those medical groups share the same commitment to diversity and inclusion. You can read the complaints in the two lawsuits right now on our KCRA 3. Love them or hate them, when it comes to the workplace, meetings are a necessity. It's often where details are sorted out and new ideas are born, but it can also be where politics and power dynamics play out, a stage where some people are interrupted, ignored, or otherwise made to feel disrespected. Research confirms it's a frequent experience for women, people of color, and LGBTQ and non-binary workers. Stacey Vanek-Smith researched this for her book, Machiavelli for Women, and she did this report for NPR's Life Kit. Getting interrupted happens to everyone, including Supreme Court justices. In fact, this made news a few years ago as part of a study of Supreme Court transcripts published in the Virginia Law Review. It found that female justices were interrupted three times more often than male judges, even though they spoke less often. The study cites many examples. Here is one that includes Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The sound is courtesy of Oye, and the person interrupting Ginsburg is a lawyer arguing a case. Yeah, but what you simply concluded, the president undertook, which was just to use best efforts, that doesn't sound like if court would under the supremacy. Well, Justice Ginsburg, I think it's the operation of the supremacy clause here. So, if you are getting interrupted at work, you are in truly excellent company. But why is this happening? What is going on here? Well, what's really going on is power. This is Tina Opie. She has a PhD in management, teaches at Harvard Business School, and is the head of Opie Consulting Group. So when you interrupt someone, you're trying to see who is at the top of the pyramid and who's at the bottom. Opie says this can be very tricky to deal with. Don't say anything. Your ideas don't get heard. Speak up. Well, that can have consequences. For example, the word strident has been used to describe me. And I think it comes because I correct people when they interrupt me or take credit for my ideas. Opie says she has thought a lot about this issue and she's come to a conclusion. And what I'm asking myself is, is this leading to the kind of influence that I want to have in this particular team? If it is, go for it. If it's not, then I'm just suggesting that there's a little bit more nuance to this conversation than simply saying, whenever someone interrupts you, correct them in public in front of the group right in the moment. One solution Opie likes? A technique called amplification. So Opie first read about this in a Washington Post article written about the women in the Obama administration. They were having trouble feeling heard in White House meetings. And so they developed a tactic. Before the meeting, they would talk with each other and they might say something like, OK, Stacy, when I get into this meeting, I'm going to talk about cell phones. So when I get into the meeting and talk about cell phones, I need you to say, Tina, I love your idea about cell phones. And then, Janet, I need you to come right behind Stacy and say, Tina's idea about cell phones is amazing. Opie says this way, instead of having to smack someone down if they talk over you, you have a colleague affirm your idea. And then another colleague affirm their idea. You're not getting accused of being strident. And you're finding a way to be heard. Stacey Vanek-Smith, NPR News. Yeah.
There are new discrimination allegations against one of the Bay Area's largest utility companies. Two former East Bay Mud attorneys are suing, alleging retaliation, discrimination, as well as a hostile work environment. ABC 7 News I-Team reporter Melanie Woodrow has the story. According to a lawsuit filed by two former East Bay Mud attorneys, in 2018, the district's legal department hadn't hired a minority candidate in more than 16 years or an African-American candidate in more than 22 years. Even though we're located in Oakland, in one of the most diverse communities in the United States. Saji Pierce was an attorney at East Bay Mud for nearly 18 years. She says she filed an internal complaint alleging race discrimination in March of 2019 after candidate Ariel Bland was passed over for a job at East Bay Mud. Even though, according to the lawsuit, the interview panel, which included Pierce, unanimously ranked Bland as the number one candidate. I took my ethical duties very seriously. I know she feels like she had an ethical duty to do this. But not everyone makes that a hard decision to do the right thing. A year later, East Bay Mud invited Bland to apply again. She was hired and began in July of 2019, according to the lawsuit. To me, I was very excited at the opportunity. But Bland says in the approximately year and a half she worked at East Bay Mud, she was treated in a grossly discriminatory fashion based upon her race, including being given a heavier workload, denied an equal opportunity to attend training and other employment benefits. I was placed in the library. I didn't even have an office. I was in that library for a couple of months. The lawsuit alleges Bland's supplies came from a garbage bin and junk drawer, whereas white attorneys were allowed to order new supplies. I was denied the basic ability to do my job. In April of 2020, Bland filed a discrimination complaint against East Bay Mud's former general counsel, Craig Spencer. Five months later, the lawsuit alleges Spencer accused Bland of having a conflict because she was a member of the Black Employee Network, an affinity group within East Bay Mud. I felt compelled to say that I was an attorney first and Black second. I feel like I had to do that to keep my job and assure this person who's in control of my performance evaluations that I'm not this adversarial, um, angry, black woman. According to the lawsuit, in November 2020, an HR investigation found Spencer had unconscious racial bias toward Bland, but that he did not violate any district policies. In November 2020, Pierce resigned. I was put in a position where I had no other choice but to leave. Bland also resigned, leaving East Bay Mud the month after Pierce. On one hand, I had so many African-American employees telling me that they were so proud to see someone that looked like me sitting there, but it did take a severe emotional, physical, and mental toll on my body. In an email statement, East Bay Mud told ABC 7 News it took the claims of its former employees very seriously and went above and beyond in addressing them. Also that it believes the legal claims are unfounded writing in part, quote, we are deeply committed to an environment where our employees who provide water and wastewater services to our East Bay community feel respected, valued, and supported. We strive every day to improve the experiences of all our employees and to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's not just something that Saji and I experienced. We know that 
What happened to us is part of a larger problem at the district. A cultural survey commissioned by East Bay Mud by the Winters Group in April 2020 found throughout interviews and focus groups, multiple instances of institutional and personal bias against Black, African-American, Hispanic, Latinx, and Asian employees were shared, which could indicate that racial bias is widespread throughout East Bay Mud. The district tells ABC 7 News the survey's so insights continue to advance the district's efforts to foster Context a welcoming and equitable work environment supremacy. for all employees. Gusty Pearson Renegade Bland said they are sharing their stories for the people who were still at the district and for rate payers. On the this system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, April 8, For the IT, Melanie Woodrow, ABC 7 so News. So I have been told this is our weekly broadcast neutralizing workplace racism. Dial in. Broadcast is not. Is not. For spectators, uh, if you have thoughts, observations, <clears throat> especially if you have suggestions, these are things that black people, non-white people can maybe should be doing in the workplace to help them solve some of their problems so that they don't have to go rummaging through the garbage bin for supplies. Did you hear that? They say the other folks, they get to go look in the catalog, see see what they got at Staples this month, see what their spring catalog has. They say, oh, I'd like to get some. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, we, we, don't look at the catalog. Just, yeah, we, we got the uh, just go outside next to the recycling. Yeah, I know it looks like trash, but just look through there and there should be a few items there that nobody needs. <clears throat> In the library, too. <laughs> Woo, man. Neutralizing workplace racism. So if you actually are assigned an office, not only you don't have to rummage through the trash to get office supplies if you need, you know, a new chair, desk, file cabinet, you know. And you actually have a workstation. And just, hey, you know, we got a, I think there's a broom closet in the basement uh, in the rear. Just make sure you take a candle or some sort of light source uh, with you and uh, watch out for the leak. Take a bucket, maybe. You don't have to worry about that. You have a nice, cushy, assigned chair, desk, work area that doesn't move every other day or month come in do your work at your assigned area and you're able to go home no problems you get compensated you get all of your raises all of your promotions on schedule they're not making racist jokes about you they pronounce your name correctly you don't have to do any sexual favors for advancement let us know how did you accomplish all of this the number is 720-716 seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate not for spectators the number again seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound Press star six one if you would like to participate. Email is until justice at gmail dot com. Until justice 
at gmail.com. We can read your commentary on the air if you have suggestions or questions uh, and you would like counter racist logical feedback. Uh, really quick, some of the audio segments that we heard. Uh, let's see. Number one, they were talking about uh, black people starting the hemp farm and this being like a, a lifelong project. Number one, I think that's great if you are, are married or even if it's an individual thing or whatever family thing um, to have some sort of lifetime project uh, like that. That might even go beyond your lifetime where it can be something like I said, a family thing where the children are kind of in on this. And this is something that's also working against white supremacy, racism, like spectacular can be problems there too but i mean hey one thing working on minimizing conflict how do we you know get along and demonstrate that we can get along on something constructive for the next 50 years like that's hey bravo uh i thought when they were talking about the whole process for hemp and they they were saying even though they have the land and it's lots of obstacles to black people acquiring property to engage in all of this and they would have to make some loans available or grants or reparations something uh, to help people kind of get started in this whole process and then it can be kind of time consuming to before you actually start to yield results it's been my experience now, I mean hey even let's say that they had started all of this 10 years earlier okay so they'd be further down the road racist white supremacists can throw all kinds of what she said was forks in the road oh man they can put fork and fork and fork in the road flood in the road break the whole road you name it COVID-19 in the road who would have saw that coming and how that's going to disrupt operations for the next five years racist not saying not to do it but it's just wow the system of white supremacy they can be extraordinarily skilled at disrupting those 50 year plan so that would have to be part of it too like you know thinking that out and probably going to be many unforeseen things race soldiers will do uh, let's see next day I uh, talked about Amazon uh, and the young black workers many of them uh, who have been engaged in spurring these union efforts uh, doing the same thing right here in Seattle where uh, Amazon was founded talking about them putting millions the white founders uh, right here putting millions uh, to crush that effort on uh, folks saying forget that we're not going to be sitting here serving Java that's Wellsing moment too right black substance right she talks about that in the ISIS papers uh, but we're not going to be doing all this for, for poor compensation and no benefits and all the rest of it they're making all these millions they can take better care of us I don't know if we have uh, baristas in the listening office but I know they've been having so many shortages that they've uh, had to close a number of Starbucks here in the Seattle area uh, and just have uh, have had shortages when you go to the stores and what have you that's been widespread uh, throughout the pandemic even right here in the Seattle area uh, let's see next they had the segment I was reminded of Emmy Longtime listener, she's in med school right now. Probably might hear the archive of this one. Uh, but they talked with the chief medical officer of the Carl Hospital, uh, Dr. Napoleon Knight, black male, uh, and he just repeated the information that we'd heard previously about 
but approximately 2% of the black physicians are males and that that number has not changed for about the last, I think, 50 years or so. And that who is to blame? Usual suspects, racist man, racist woman, racist child. And they even put the number up. Hey, it's jumped for black females. It's grown quite a bit over that time period, even though it's very low for everybody classified as non-white. But that said, like it can go up over that period for black females, but stay exactly the same for black males. Now, even you can hold that bit of information with what they just shared earlier, just the past few days about lower life expectancy for black males. Remember when they were talking about the drop in life expectancy for white people after the opioid epidemic and alcohol and all that? That was like 2015 or so. It was oh, everywhere. PBS, New York Times, L.A. Times, it's like a total emergency. They said that about black males. Yeah. Negroes are known to die. It's a few, few uh, less years for y'all to be out raping. And we don't really have medical, pro- black male medical professionals, so might not really be too many people who are concerned with your plight. In fact, Vernelia Randall, she told us at the very beginning of all this with COVID-19, she said, hey, they already have a chart about in terms of whose life is most valuable and she told us Vanilla Randall author of Dying While Black she said guess whose life is least valuable uh oh uh oh let me get my scooper out for black male privilege in the archives 2020 as I said at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic she said least valuable lives hmm and we don't have black medical doctors now Dr. Knight he said hey doors we've had progress over the years people love saying that word it's like obligatory even when he had just said the data no as it relates to black doctors we can't use that P word at all punked out unless we want to switch it up and use that one procrastinate we could use that one but no we, we have not made any progress no no black male doctors same problem we were talking about with dr lewis wright where i said man my goodness we need to talk about it because this is the same thing that he was writing about almost a hundred years ago we don't have enough black doctors and medical professionals and it's outright racism that's doing this yep and that continues to be the case a hundred years later no progress uh, he said uh, doors have not been open. Then we get off into the metaphors like my goodness. Then he says you hear students where they need a metaphor. They need excuse me, a mentor. Sorry mentor mentor. They need a mentor and someone who's been through this and you know hey I've been called a nigger before. It might be unsettling for them. Pause right there. What, 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 how, do you, how do you handle you being called a nigger when you're supposed to be the doctor and they nigger get out of here as well just stay professional now you even pause right there I've heard this before now they have whole books about this Damon Tweedy and other folks I was reminded of Dr. McDuff he was a guest on NPR in 2013 a decade ago they had their uh, I think it was their five word race card project that was it 
and he wrote in 55 miles per hour means you boy black boy really uh but that was what he wrote in and he's a doctor i think he went to like an ivy league school colombian all this uh magna cum laude and all this like oh just impeccable credentials academic credentials and uh medical credentials and all of that and he said he would go to talk to me who is this this negro who do you think you are and he'll be an uppity well i'm i'm just I'm just trying to help. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Uppity doctor nigger. Get a white coat and think he's going to come in here and tell me something. Uppity niggers trying to talk in here. He said, matter of fact, he told the folks on NPR, he said, they will tell me that I used big words. I confused them. <laughs> That's what he said. And it's not even fun. And I'm up here snickering. So he does this interview, which you can go and check out. We played it before. I called him to have him be a guest on the program. So when I called him, because this part is not an NPR, Gus called him and he said, I said, oh, we'd love to have you on the program. We heard your interview. He says, well, the hospital that I work for, they heard the interview and I've been fired. So I'm looking for other employment. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my, like, not funny at all. Not funny at all. Like, oh, my Lord. Like, what? Because, I mean, it wasn't like he was on the interview. Like, you know, they come in here and these crackers and I'm, you know, I'm going to kill the next person. They come in here and I'm a Michael Swango. Michael Swango. Yeah, I remember that name. He didn't say I'm going to come and do a Michael Swango on him. You know, I'm going to come in here. The next person that comes in here and does that and calls me up or whatever, I'm going to go in there and concoct something. And whammo, they're going to end up being dead suspiciously. And wow, what happened? He didn't say anything like that. He wasn't in there cracker this and calling people names. He wasn't saying white supremacy racism is the greatest problem in the U.S. Nope. 55 miles per hour means you, black boy. He said, I have to talk very slowly. I have to be very quiet. Can't be intimidated. It was all black male privilege. That's all he had to say with all the black male privilege he has as a black physician. Anyway, so he did not get fired, thankfully, even though they told him they were going to fire him. And then he got his job back. He said, I am not talking to you, crazy Negro Gusty. But he did tell me about that man. Anywho. Mentors are very important uh, for the medical establishment. And I would even add like, man. What does that do in terms of the stress? I'm a physician. I got all this debt. Got to get in here. And I mean, that's known like that is a stressful profession. Being a doctor, being on call and all the crazy hours like doctors, in fact, talk about life expectancy. Doctors don't have the best life expectancy because of that lifestyle. But anyway, what does that do to your health and well-being where you he said this wasn't a one time thing where now I'm just accustomed to it where you are routinely called a nigra in your profession Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes I'm a nigra okay well anyway uh, you do have hypertension and so you're going to need to see a specialist whether it's me nigra specialist or a different I mean go through medical school for that Uh, so then let's see we'll hear that one again being called a nigra uh, doors not open. He said. Also, he said, Doctor McKnight. He said the vast majority of people are good people. When I heard that, I said, "Hey, the vast majority of people 
are not white. So at least the vast majority of people are not racist. I don't know if that's the way he meant it. And then we heard different doctor at Sutter Hospital, Dr. Nyong'o, Dr. Noble. Now, imagine being Lupita Nyong'o's family member and a physician. Now, if anybody's going to have black male privilege, I mean, literally, you got 12 years a slave. Gorgeous black female model. This is my family. We got pictures of us kicking it together. Family meal, eating yams and all that in our footies, walking around the house in pajamas and everything. Got her up on my wall and it's not, oh my God, can you get an autograph as you come in? Eh. Up a nigger in here showing. <laughs> like, are you serious? <laughs> I'm the exact same. Like, are you serious? And then they said, I don't know. We... <sighs> difficult for us to deal with you uppity niggers like might be another 10 years <laughs> like whoa 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 wait a minute this this was in 2017 like we've had a nigger in the white house for a decade what do you mean it's going to be another decade before you can have a nigger doctor uh, yeah mm. progress let's see they come back the book Machiavelli for women. They didn't say Machiavelli for people of color. Machiavelli for Negroes. They didn't even say Machiavelli for Negro women. Machiavelli for women. I know who you're talking to. I know who that book is for. Uh, they said people on the job being interrupted. They said it was women. You know who they're talking to. People of color LGBTQ non gender non binary. All of that conflation, word we use for that, all of that is deliberate white supremacy racism. Uh, I don't care what happened to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Incidentally, the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg suspected race soldier people will bring her name up to confuse victims as though she was some sort of crusader against white supremacy racism they'll do the conflation thing again oh she was a feminist and all this other nonsense which I don't care about at all that's generally just going to be used to mistreat black males we talked about that on other programs but they left out after she passed away they said oh man Katie Keurig did an interview with her where she was all rancid and nasty about black lives matter Sounding almost like uh, our former president. And, you know, you got this no count uppity Colin Kaepernick and these folks out here taking a knee, disrespecting everything. Oh, whoa. What do you mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg? You're supposed to be with the oppressed and progressive liberal, liberal voice on the bench. What do you mean? Anyway, I don't care how many times she was interrupted. It has been my experience. White women can defend themselves well in the workplace it is negras matter of fact it's not just interrupted in fact you're gonna be muted you're not even gonna be given an opportunity to speak interrupted we're even gonna pretend like we're talking about racism white supremacy and then just do the switch and cut to Ruth Bader Ginsburg or some gay white woman or a transgender white man or a non-gender or excuse me gender non-binary individual classified as white and pretend that we're talking about white supremacy racism lots of ways of playing that one 
Uh, next one, they said... Uh, they spoke with the employees at the East Bay MUD. That's the Municipal Utilities Department. Uh, and they spoke with some of the attorneys uh, who work there. They said they some of these positions, they didn't have uh, black people working at any of these positions. They hadn't hired a black person there in like 20 years for some of these. Was it progress again? Is that it? Right. Progress. Um, they spoke with some of the folks and they said that the black people were not getting offices. Right. They said the black people were stationed in the library. They said the black people were not allowed to get supplies. They were told to dig in the trash. <laughs> like, uh, denied training. Now, that was one that really stuck out. Digging in the trash to get supplies. That one did too, but training. That's something we talked about repeatedly. I know Mr. Edward Williams. Uh, I think Neely Fuller Jr. and other folks have talked about that. It's come up on this program all the time, just from people who talked about where they either were trained incorrectly or weren't trained at all. You heard the exact same thing there, where black people, all these obstacles to them getting training so they could advance their career, be more knowledgeable, be more efficient at doing their job. Eh. Eh. <laughs> we don't get back over in that trash and get some supplies, get back to work. Got it. Uh, they said they thought that the black employees had some sort of complex. Uh-oh. <laughs> I got it. Not an inferiority complex. Like, oh, you you one of those reverse racists. Got some sort of agenda. One of them angry black people. Mm, angry black woman. Mm. Heard that one a few times. They say because she was a member of the black employee network now I've said for years if they have anything like that in the workplace any of these little uh, organizations where it's supposed to be some sort of people of color this or black employees this or whatever it is I would not join I have never seen I've never heard any reports where oh man this was super constructive like got lots of useful information Lots of great networking opportunities and we were able to make a lot of great changes in our workplace or at minimum. I learned some constructive information and maybe we didn't make changes per se in our work environment, but I learned a lot of things that helped me, you know, be more informed and make better decisions and what have you on my job or advance my career. I've never heard that. What I've heard is very similar to that because you're a part of this nigger organization uh oh you're some sort of radical Ooh, or white people have successfully infiltrated this organization either they got Alexa set up or they have assigned three or eight or maybe everybody who is a member of this group to go and take notes and report back what was said who said what what did they want to talk about what were the agendas all of that and then they use that information however they want to that's consistently what I've seen and heard from these types of groups so at minimum I would say think about that if they have any sort of organization organization like that in your workplace think about that and that's why I've also said if you're there you're there to learn certainly not to do a whole lot of speechifying 
and sharing your views. This is not the time where you want to show off how much you know about white supremacy, racism, who you think is a suspected race soldier in the workplace and eh, bad move. They said, in addition to she, some of the black workers, there, victims being accused of having some sort of complex, you're an angry black woman and all the rest of it. Uh, they said that the white supervisor, the evidence showed that he had some sort of unconscious bias but this was not a violation of policy and procedure now that's like on both ends of it unconscious bias this is not willful deliberate white supremacy racism this is just oh I didn't even know I was calling you Negro what we haven't hired any Negroes for 22 years oh my lord I didn't even know somebody should have said something before now and then unconscious by so because I didn't know know about this and because I was unawares this is not a violation of policy and procedure nothing incorrect happened here as far as pump, uh, company policy and procedure is concerned all the way through racism white supremacy is protected and I can't imagine any other circumstance if it had been a black person and they were accused of some sort of wrongdoing. I can't imagine them being allowed to. Well, they may have been in error, but they did it unknowingly unawares. And because they were unawares, this is not a violation of policy and procedure. Like I cannot imagine that being the case, particularly if you're not going to give all the details of what evidence you got, what evidence you found of unconscious bias. Itemize all of that especially if that includes me being accused of having some sort of complex and all the rest of it and me being denied training and I got to rummage through the trash to get supplies is all of that included as unco I just didn't know that I was niggerizing an employee like this hmm the number again is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. If anybody has read Machiavelli for women, let us know. Hmm. I have to check that one out maybe. The number again is 720 Seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see the email until justice at gmail dot com. Until justice at gmail dot com. Uh, let's see. We ha I'll get to uh, some of our emails and we might well we will have another audio segment because wow the being called a nigra in the workplace uh, came up again uh, in some of the other audio segments that we'll hear we just talked about that last week we had a listener who taught a uh, root in rather uh, about being called nigra in the workplace uh, and by child no less <laughs> then he works with oh and that's gonna <laughs> All of that. Just keep all that in mind. All that will come up uh, painfully so. Uh, again, we'll have one more segment of news clips. So many things happening in the workplace. And if folks have commentary on how COVID-19 continues to uh, adjust your work environment, 
let us know that as well. That should not be forgotten or uh, minimized, uh, especially since they're saying in some places that rates are going back up. Uh, but star six one, if you have commentary, uh, let's see, folks who dialed in with a hand up, proceed. Hey, Gus, Jason from New Jersey. Um, I'm going to start off by saying um, I haven't called in workplace work uh, racism in a while, but um, I'm still recovering. Um, I should be coming to the end of uh, therapy with the uh, knee injury. Knee uh, makes six months. Um, you know, if my knee is not up to par, I may ask. Can I, you know, just get additional, just maybe like two or three more weeks? Um, because I, I'm, I'm definitely, um, based on the job that I do, I'm definitely um, in fear of re-injuring my knee. The job is very physical, so I definitely want to make sure that um, I'm 100%. Um, but I also, also have plans of, um, you know, while I've been off, I put my application out there, and I've been looking other places. Um, my side business, the trucking business, is um, you know still up and running. You know, going on two years. <laughs> it, it has it has its uh, it, it it you know it, it has it has it, it has its problems. It has its the metaphor. It's ups and downs. Um, so that there, uh, my old job. The, uh, <laughs> the 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 stalkers who kept calling, asking me to come back. Um, just a little update. You know, I get a ticket in the mail uh, that they were supposed to handle. Uh, this was a moving violation that carries a fine and points. Um, this was a verbal agreement that they were going to do for me, but you know, thought so highly of. Uh, my work, oh, okay, you know, we'll we'll do your favor, you know, I'll I'll pay for the uh lawyer to handle the ticket. COVID. Uh because of COVID the lawyer has been postponing, postponing, postponing the uh court date for the moving violation in New York City. This is something that they do. You know, maybe the uh the police officer who issued the ticket they get it dismissed. So it, it's a technique or by the time you go to court, time has went on so long that even if you pay the fine, you don't get the points. So um, I received something in the mail, and it said, hey, listen, if you don't respond to this, your license will be suspended. So I contacted my old employer. I said, hey, you know, can I get the lawyer? But he would never give me this lawyer number. <laughs> you know, never. He, he, he'll handle it on his own. But, so uh, he contacted the lawyer. The lawyer basically uh, got another court date, and I also asked him, I said, did you guys pay the lawyer? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. So I said, sir, you told me he was. this was a part of, remember the infamous gas card. This was all around the same time, the gas card, we're going to take care of you. I even paid for your lawyer. And um, usually I, you know, I, I, I email, I go back and forth with email so I have proof. So error for me, not basically, even if I would have just sent the email saying, hey, um, ex-employer, um, you know, just call in the check and see that you're definitely going to take care of that lawyer fee. And even if he didn't respond, because he was, he was real crafty, if it was some things that may be, um, you know, outside of 
the union contract or something that he's doing on the side, he didn't want to correspond through email. But at least that would have been a paper trail. So he said, oh, you know, I'm not saying I didn't say it. I just don't remember. Okay, just contact the lawyer. I'll, you know, I don't work there anymore. You know, I'll pay for the lawyer. Just have him, you know, take care of that so I don't have my license suspended. So that's that. Amazon, be careful. Even though that was a victory for them getting the union in. But if Amazon has the finances to try to stop a union from coming in, they also have the finances to manipulate said union. I've been in the union for 20 some years. The last union I was in, I've been a team in the team since unions for 20 some years. Um, and sometimes, you know, it seems like them guys working against you. You know, they, they, you know, and, um, and depending on, you know, um, the side deals that the employer and the union might negotiate behind closed doors, a lot of times it don't work well for the employees. But kudos for getting the union in. Like I said, the union I was in, they had to basically dissolve in another union in the Teamsters union had to take us over because there was corruption. They were spending money. The big, the union went bankrupt. So beware of unions as well. Okay. I'll close with this. My, uh, attempted girlfriend's father was on a workplace. He fell off of a scaffold. So he went to urgent care or he went to the, the doctor, the company's doctor. They did x-rays. They suggested that he go to, the emergency room he did he so basically he's been working for a long time with a dislocated shoulder on top of him having a dislocated shoulder they also found out that he had skin cancer so they did the emergency surgery on his shoulder and also they ran more blood work on him for you know for the cancer so immediately, you know, my attempted girlfriend went into action while her father was in the hospital. He, she wants to make sure his, his medical bills are somewhat covered, and he's also getting a check while out of work. He contacts the employer. The employer, you know, they said, okay, you know, just send us all over the information. Next day, my attempted girlfriend calls. The lady got kind of real nasty and was just kind of like, hey, you know, we – we don't no longer want to talk to you. We'll talk to your father. And I was on a speaker when I heard this and something clicked in my head. I said, "Uh Oh, <laughs> I said, I said, this don't seem like a employer that wants to do the right thing. So her father calls her, gets out of the hospital, contacts his, his work and lets them know I have shoulder surgery. They said, Hey, listen, um, you know, they was going to open up a workman's comp case, but being though that he, he basically, when they, they said they suggested he go to the emergency room, so the next day they're saying that they closed the workman's comp case. You know, so when he went to the emergency room because he was in so much pain from falling off the scaffold and also, you know, the cancer that he didn't know about, um, he calls and they say, well, listen, you're going to have to send us over some paperwork, you know, or come into work, or we're going to have to do what we got to do. Insinuating that, you know, they're going to let him go. So I advised him, just like what I just said, 
everything from now on, because if you want to open up this workman's comp case, you know, you, you can't work. You want to be compensated. You need some kind of income. I said, do not correspond with these people through the phone, everything through email, everything. So I contacted the lawyer that's working with me with my injury and to give me some kind of guidance to help uh, my girl, attempted girlfriend's father. And they told him that they closed the workman comp case. They can't reopen it. That's a lie. That's why I contacted another white man lawyer who said that's a lie so they're they're so they're they're trying to some way somehow uh you know get out of um their duties of taking care of their injured employee who fell off the scaffold i suggest that he doesn't mention the cancer just focus on his shoulder and other um other physical injuries that may have come by the fall from off the uh the scaffold so they just basically want a letter from the doctor basically saying that, you know, he's unable to perform, you know, his work duties. So, I mean, I, I was really upset. It was just tacky. Once I heard the HR lady, not even the HR lady, another lady who gave, who was basically relaying a message from the HR lady that she no longer wanted to correspond with my attempted girlfriend, only her father. I said, oh, I, I, I knew the fix was in. So I'm going to do the best that I can to assist him and make sure while he's recovering from his his uh, his shoulder injury and also um, the newfound skin cancer that at least he has some kind of money coming in. But I told my attempted girlfriend, I said, this particular employer has no respect for your father, none. So that's uh, I'll wrap it up there. Much obliged caller in New Jersey. Uh, that is so uh, disgracefully common uh, where black people working low wage, high risk jobs, Amazon, uh, and then getting injured. And it's not, oh my goodness. Oh, this is, you know, horrendous. We, 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 we got you. We're going to make you whole. In every sense of the word and, you know, send a bouquet of flowers to your to his uh, attempted wife or partner or whatever it is and uh, send him a, a fruit basket to the hospital and what have you. We got it. You know, just send us everything is taken care of. His daughter calls. Oh, my goodness. Will you let your father know he, we're, we're pulling for him all the way. Card is in the mail and blah, whatever you need. Just, you know, don't even worry about it. Whatever it is. But no, that's not it at all. We'll talk to your father. We're not going to correspond with you in the future. <laughs> to what? Dang. I fell off of a letter. Well, you show us some paperwork that you can't work. I'm going to go out on a limb. I could be wrong. Uh, if this person has a child that is of dating age, I'm going to guess this probably isn't a... Uh, spry 21 year old who fell off of a scaffold so I mean wow like this is our regard for our workers like <laughs> blackmail privilege get that one in again um, email like written correspondence that is for sure one where 
absolutely nothing via phone at all oh, verbally we got it we're going to do it email everything so you have written documentation of everything that they said everything that you said date time all of that uh, because they just shown you you're not interested in doing the correct thing at all and I mean really like I would just want to get get myself healed and get away from that company immediately like how do you he could have died like you fall off a scaffold get back in here and get up on this scaffold or find another job we gotta do what we gotta do that is gangster and that's exactly what it means to be white system white supremacy racism that's that's why the godfather is worshipped so much all of this is just about being gangster I mean really the construction business you want to talk about gangsters wait till we get to the second audio clip more audio to come Uh, as for your own situation hope the PT is going well physical therapy Um, when you said you were going to ask for another like two three weeks I thought it was you were going to say like two three months like especially like if you're going back to like rigorous work environment I would tell uh, your physical therapist if you're checking in with the doctor or whatever through the whole rehab process like I'm still a little tender out there just what you just said it is intense the work situation we're going up and down steps and they don't have elevators at a lot of these facilities and we're going up five ten flights of stairs and working 10 15 hours a day i would really dramatize it oh i'm still a little tender here i thought i was thinking well but oof, still a little tender i think i might need another month maybe two to uh get myself right and I'm sure you could use words and get that if white people can go in and whine and cry on cue and get, you know, ridiculous amounts of Oxycontin and pain medication so they can be all uh, whacked out and abused, then, hey, I'm, I'm in pain and it's a rigorous job and I need an extra month, maybe two, uh, to get myself right. <clears throat> Do some counter racism studying while I'm at home getting my knee together um, and the tackiness with the old job I'm so not surprised uh, that they don't handle the situation uh, again and I mean hey as victims of white supremacy sometimes you just you're being harassed you got a thousand things to do if you're an attempted parent and all the rest of it <laughs> other family members being terrorized as well so you're trying to help out so I mean it, it can be overwhelming uh, at times but try as best we can in the workplace even if it's just a text message or an email or what have you right on your phone at the moment that they say it like oh okay Oh, I'm going to shoot you a text message just to confirm that way you can boom, shoot, let me know. Like you said, even if he doesn't reply, like, bam, at least you're sending it right there. This is an email to confirm uh, that you'll be you know, covering the expense for the attorney, covering the cost of the uh, ticket. Kind of a goodbye present for me is uh, seek better employment or whatever. Greener pastures, as they say. But that so standard people do that all the time. We've heard that a number of times. So they give the verbal promise of a raise or something good. And what? What did I say? Oh, I don't remember that. I'm, I'm not saying I didn't say it. I just, I don't remember. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Did you remember that? Oh, yeah, I don't remember that either. Mm. Always. Now, if it was a write-up or you getting fired or something like that, nobody ever forgets that one. Like, oh, no. Photographic memory on that. We've got to punish the coon. Much obliged victim in New Jersey. Uh, let's see. I'll check. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have commentary, I'll check them and then we'll see if we can get our other 
audio segments and written commentary as well. The number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up, if you have commentary, proceed. Uh, greetings, Rob, in Southern California. Yes, greetings, uh, Gus, and all the listeners on the line. Uh, been quite a while uh, since I've called into the program. Um, not a whole lot to report. Uh, still going to work. Um, hours are about the same. Um, working in this uh, Korean establishment um, and the COVID situation has seemed to uh, relax somewhat. Um, you're not uh, not really required to wear a mask. Um, the mask restrictions I've listed. And um, I wanted to just share uh, something that I've been paying attention to um, while I'm working, I'm the only uh, black person in the establishment, and I work with uh, people that are classified as non-white Asian. Uh, I think it might be like one or two white people there, um, but everybody is Asian for the most part. And so they're mostly young adults uh, ranging from, I would say, 20 to 25, and... I am uh, noticing that a lot of the young adults uh, still live with their parents and their parents um, encourage them to stay in the residence while they finish school or working or whatever it is that they're doing. And <clears throat> they're not really required to uh, pay any uh, anything for rent. And... Uh, just looking um, at that difference in family dynamics, uh, using myself as an example, um, it, it really just uh, stands out. Um, I won't say uh, whether it's good or bad either way, uh, but I noticed that that is <clears throat> very different from my family dynamic. And uh, from working, um, a, a couple of different jobs. Um, I know that the system um, of white supremacy um, we're always being affected um, when we're going to work, but having a, a direct supervisor and or quote-unquote boss that is uh, not classified as a white person uh, it's a little less pressure, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, it, in my experience, like where I am now, it creates for a, uh, a more relaxed work environment where you don't feel, you know, as pressed all the time or, you know, somebody watching you looking over your shoulder or whatever. And, uh, that's all I want to share. And thank you for listening. Second of all. 
Rob in Southern California. Um, much obliged for the observation in terms of the housing. Uh, now, many black people did live that way. Uh, previous generations uh, in the system of racism, white supremacy. Things are not that way currently. Some of that's even being discussed in the uh, book club uh, where you might have lots of people staying in the house together, even uh, older offspring so-called might be hanging out in the house uh, until they kind of get their uh, act together or what have you uh, that has changed greatly uh, over the years uh, in this area but that can make a huge difference uh, in terms of if you are a younger person uh, trying to get it together and you know you have that what they call safety net I guess if you want to think of it that way where you're hanging out chilling with your uh, parents until you have got yourself uh, on your feet, I think is the metaphor that they will say. Got your finances together. You can save up some money and all the rest of it. Um, and some of that is just if your parents have more resources that are able to do that, you can hook your, your children up uh, with more. That can happen, too. And I do think also in the system of white supremacy, uh, race soldiers have been very successful at kind of encouraging this uh thought of you know hey when you're 18 you're out the door and that sort of thing and you know i've paid into you i think we had some folks who used the metaphor they said they have a lot of parents kind of thinking of having children as like a lease on a vehicle or something like it i've had this been paying on for 18 years and i'm not done all my money out the window and all the rest of it as opposed to we are in a system of white supremacy racism period 18 and out the door just oh i love it 18 immature you don't know anything oh i love it i love that's right parents threw you out the door come on here something i said consistently if you're gonna have the children then hey i'm signing up to be a parent forever especially in a system of racism white supremacy as much assistance guidance of a constructive nature as i can offer in this system if that is not going to be the way that we're thinking about it then do not have offspring, especially if they're going to be classified as black. Like, yikes. Yikes. And you should be enthusiastic about it. Like, yes, I am delighted parenting and taking care of my children as, as long as I can be here. In fact, I'm taking excellent care of myself so that I will be able to be here and taking care of my children for as long as they will be here. Said by someone who does not have children. Much obliged, uh, Rob in Wisconsin. I can see how that would make, you know, a big difference uh, when you don't have to, as a young person, you don't have to have all of that burden. So many uh, non-white people uh, end up being in really dangerous, I think would be an accurate word, end up in really dangerous environments because, you know, they're trying to figure out their housing situation and all the rest of it and just trying to get metaphor on their feet as a young person when hey if your parents have the resources they can do it where you can just hang out and save some coin become a little bit more responsible and figure out the best way like that i think even emmy said that she was able to get some of that help to help her get to med school having that sort of support can be very beneficial making decisions in life much obliged, Rob in Wisconsin. Uh, number again, 720-716-7300. The code 
943 pound press star 61 if you would like to participate I will get in one of our emails uh, at this point let's see this uh, so I wrote previously or I read previously one of our listeners was talking about uh, working uh, driving a school bus and one of the children called him a nigra I think at like seven o'clock in the morning right said he was upset because he had to look at your black ass this morning or that was it that was it anyway so he followed up him writing in again black male victim of racism I uh, says thank you uh, for the advice more importantly for responding and taking the time uh, let's see I applied for a couple other school districts my current school district is so anti-black and racist I think it's time to go I've been accused of carrying guns sexual harassment not to let my keys dangle from my key holder because staff thinks I'm simulating my penis and everything under the sun including being an angry black male echo 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 I have fought and intellectually beat every allegation thanks to you and your workplace racism broadcast I believe once I find another job it's easy to break free from this co-worker relationship without any major repercussions yesterday when I got to work at 1 p.m. I saw the director a race soldier and arch deceiver talking to all the school bus drivers and they were all laughing as soon as I got there the shindig stopped abruptly I later found out the reason why they were laughing is because the race soldier was asking them hey guys how do you say Vaseline in German now all these tacky jokes and everything like generally I'd say this is sort of environment where a race a race racist joke is coming but anyway so the, we got the joke drum roll how do you say Vaseline in German no one knew the answer so the race soldier retorted Wiener Slickum Now, Gus, this is a school environment, and this guy is talking about Vaseline and penises. Unbelievable. What does that moron say? He says, he says, white people do not care about children. Incidentally, that would be another one if you're going to have a black child like, hey, let me seriously think. Do I want my child around all these suspected racists? Their wiener slickum jokes and what have you? He said it was a six-year-old who made that comment to him. So do I want my six-year-old first grader, second grader, third grade? That's what the type of white person I want him to be around. Anywho, um, I don't know what type of key holder he has. Um, I, I, I'm not surprised, but man, key holder is simulating your penis. Blackmail rapist at every turn. I would document everything ruthlessly, carrying key in. 
Like, wow. Does anybody else have a key holder here? Am I the only one that has a key holder? <laughs> like, wow. Am I the only one who's simulating uh, genitalia with this key holder? Everybody else is cool. Maybe I need to switch and get a different type of key holder. Then I'll be, I'll be cool with everybody else. <sighs> document, document, document. Especially the gun accusation because that's really serious working with children and everything they're talking about now with violence and what have you in a school environment around children I am so sorry that you've had to endure all of that man that just sounds so same thing I said with the doctor where he's having patients calling him a nigger like that sounds so stressful that is the system of white supremacy why there should be some urgency with solving this problem uh, let's see the email until justice at gmail.com the number seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate let's see while folks are getting their thoughts together uh, said we had multiple audio segments not to deluge folks with news reports but one uh, the first just two short reports the first one we talked about this all the time including today right why you have to have a code in a work environment you should just be thinking I'm probably going to be called a nigger if it's not today tomorrow at some point over my work career I don't care if you work like in a bank I wouldn't care if you work in a classroom. I wouldn't care if you're a carpenter, construction worker, like librarian, whatever the field. You will probably be called a nigger at some point. If not to your face, certainly when you're not there, for sure. Have your code together. This is what I think would be the best way for me to respond. And practice. That way it won't be cold. You can go ahead and rehearse so you can hear yourself. This is what I want to say. This is how I want to respond. All that. So you can act it out a few times so it'll be natural. It'll be flowing. You've already said this. It won't be a surprise. That's one. The second one, just safety. Aaron Anderson. Safety. I was a little bit uh, disappointed that I didn't see this earlier. But I mean, black people die a lot. So it's difficult to you know keep up two quick segments and then we will get back safety in the workplace like really you can uh, all of these would be under the rubric of workplace safety that is like one of the number one things that you're thinking about the whole time that you're on the clock or doing your shift or whatever workplace and I mean your own certainly other folks as well especially if you're like in charge of children or other employees or whatever it is but workplace safety I intend to get home safe all my fingers and toes no cuts scrapes scratches bruises black eyes getting back the way that I came context of white supremacy two reports workplace safety now to a disturbing incident caught on camera at a local high school. Osceola County deputies say a school employee grabbed a student by the neck, then dropped him to the ground. The violent confrontation happened last Monday at Toho High School in Kissimmee. News 6's Jerry Askin is there with what started this. Osceola County school district leaders tell me Christopher Ferguson was a school monitor here at Tehopa Kalika High School and was only on the job for a week before he was arrested. They tell me, in fact, he resigned Monday shortly after his arrest. 
but you got to be conscious of what, you, of what you're saying. This is video released by the Osceola County Sheriff's Office showing school monitor Chris Ferguson lifting a teen up to the ceiling before dropping him to the ground. Investigators said it happened Monday here at Tahopa Kaliga High School after that teen used the N-word in the classroom and Ferguson told him he can't speak like that. It's concerning to me. Investigators say Ferguson, who is 6'6 and weighs 350 pounds, left red marks over the boy's neck and chest area before dropping him to the ground. They said Ferguson asked the student to leave class after hearing him use the racial slur. Investigators said Ferguson overheard the student telling his girlfriend that Ferguson was in his feelings. And that's when deputies said this happened. Ferguson was arrested and charged Monday with child abuse. And though the child's race is unknown, parents we talk to say they're not condoning the school monitor's actions, but do understand the sensitivity of the situation. I don't think it, at any time is it appropriate to put your hands on a child. I will say that we are in a current situation where like racial tensions are very high. And deputies saying the student was taken to the nurse's office, but it's not clear how he's doing or how badly, if any, he was hurt. Ferguson has since bonded out from the Osceola County Jail. In Kissimmee, Osceola County, I'm Jerry Askin, getting results. News 6. The man, race, class, genre, and the dilemmas of black manhood. Good evening, everybody, and welcome. I'm Kelly Ring. And I'm Mark Wilson. Glad to have you with us. First up here at 6 o'clock, new developments in Polk County involving this industrial accident. Loved ones are searching for answers now after father of three was killed on the job. You may remember this story a few weeks ago. It happened earlier this month when Aaron Henderson was working at a landfill. A bulldozer ran over a porta potty while he was inside. The sheriff's office says it was a tragic accident, but tonight, Henderson's family's raising some questions about the investigation. Let's get out there to Fox 13's Ken Suarez, live in Polk County at the bar, uh, courthouse in Bartow. Hi there, Ken. I know some activists and friends of Henderson just held a press conference. What exactly did they say? What are they claiming? Well, they're very frustrated. You know, this has been going on for about three weeks, and for some people, that seems like an absolute eternity. We all know that the wheels of justice can roll forward, but they roll forward so slowly, especially when it involves you. So Black Lives Matter, Restoration Polk is saying, we can't wait any longer. We want action right now. A tearful scene outside the Polk County Courthouse Tuesday afternoon. The family of Aaron Henderson, father of two, remembered him fondly. My brother was wonderful. He was a brother that anybody would want, and this just, this just too much. Henderson was killed in early March when a bulldozer driven by a fellow employee at Polk County's landfill ran over the porta potty he was in. The Polk Sheriff's Office called it an unfortunate industrial accident. There is no criminal conduct here that we see at this stage of the investigation. An investigation that's still open, but Black Lives Matter disagrees and wants a bulldozer driver charged criminally. Mr. Henderson should not be in the ground right now. His family should not be grieving right now. Black Lives Matter is not saying the incident was intentional. However, the group still thinks a driver should be criminally charged. Black Lives Matter Restoration Polk Inc. is now formally demanding that the state attorney of the 10th of the Judicial Circuit, Mr. Brian Haas, formally charge the bulldozer operator with negligent homicide. In the meantime, the Henderson family has contacted Benjamin Crump, who has represented Trayvon Martin, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd to pursue the case civilly. 
Now, a couple of investigations going on here. We have the sheriff's investigation. That could take months to complete. Then there's a second one, and that's by OSHA. OSHA is going to be looking at the policies and the procedures, the problems that occurred, and the possible violations. So we're going to be watching two of them for you. All right. Anxious for some results. And uh, with the understanding, it is going to take some time for sure. Ken, thanks very much. Yeah. Context of white supremacy. Uh, so that was two. And actually, both of those incidents happened in Florida. So the first one, uh, they had the resource officer, uh, Osceola County in Florida, uh, Chris Ferguson. So black male picks up and incidentally remember officer slam i don't remember like him being uh arrested this was uh the white officer in south carolina he uh picked up a black female threw her on the ground because uh, they said she wouldn't put her cell phone away remember that i don't remember them coming out and immediately he's been charged and all the rest of it i don't remember that happening but anyway mr ferguson so resource officer it looks to me in the video they don't uh, release his name or anything like that but at least to me it looks like uh, a white student white male they said he left red marks on him and what have you so at least it'd be someone who's kind of pale not super melanin rich pigmentation man in the video uh, and I'll make sure I post it so that you can see it but in the video <laughs> Mr. Ferguson they said like 300 pounds maybe more than that like he looks like he could have been football player when I say a football player like not uh, Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or Tariq Hill one of these like small nimble wide receiver no 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 like defensive lineman football player like look like somebody who oh yeah I do some tackling I throw human beings on the ground for a living football player Woo. Like every bit of 300 pounds, maybe even 350 pounds and with some muscle. Like I spent some time in the gym, you know, doing some weightlifting and what have you. This guy and then the fellow that he's picking up. So he's a student once. So I mean, hey, he's probably 15, whatever it is. <laughs> Looks like he's outweighed by about 200 pounds. Mr. Ferguson literally grabs him. But if we got any folks out there, if you watch. Uh, like rest, like Hulk Hogan wrestling type of a thing, like choke slam. You grab somebody and I mean lift them up like three feet off of the ground. I don't know about you, I have not had that experience, and hopefully I will not. I've been victimized and many abuses and humiliations throughout my time on the planet, but I have not, thankfully. I had someone who outweighed me by 100 pounds or whatever it is, grab me by my throat with one hand and snatch me a foot. This guy looked like he's about three feet off the ground, but whatever. I have not had that experience. Hopefully knock on everything in the world that will not happen to Gusty before I exit. He snatches him up. If that had happened to me at any point in life, I can tell you, I used the word punk out before I could use it like, man, Gus T would be punking out like, whoa. I don't know what decisions I've made in life that have led me to this point where I'm literally dangling by my throat. But I'm going to reassess Mr. Ferguson, if I may call you Mr. Ferguson. I will never utter that word again. I'm not even going to say the N-word. If you will kindly put me back on the ground, I will never 
say the N word again. I will be the most well behaved white boy in the world. I'm going to vote for President Obama three or four times. I'm going to to donate to Reverend Al Sharpton today. Anything else that I can do, you tell me to do it and I'm on it right now. Just if you can kindly put me back on the ground, please. This young white boy did not do that. You can see the video. He snatches, Mr. Ferguson snatches him off the ground by his throat. And I mean like three feet off the ground. And this white woman, they're like, oh my gosh, put him down. Oh my gosh, you'll kill him, you'll kill him. Well, he puts him on the ground. This white fella gets up. It is not, whew, where's my checkbook at? How much should I make out to Al Sharpton? What can I do for the black man? That's not how he, he gets up. Ooh, you are going to get it now, nigga. I told you you were in your feelings and you are in trouble now, nigga. That's what he said. You can't get his lips, but I mean, there is zero back down. He's in his face. The white woman is trying to grab him like, oh, no, come on. Come on. This nigga is in for it. That's his whole posture. Like, I've never seen anything like and Actually, I have to take that back. I have seen this before. They had the video at Arizona where it was a substitute black male teacher. Same thing happened. This time it was like a white 11-year-old. So it was even worse because this also looked like a black male who could have played football. Looked like he was probably every bit six feet tall, two nine. I mean, like Hulk Hogan. Bitch pressed 600 pounds. (laughs) Like, no problem. That little 11-year-old looked like he could barely pick up a Twinkie. Looked at him. I mean, looked up at him like he was looking at the Empire State Building. Look here, tall nigra. <laughs> and that black man got the same thing. Went to choke slam and all that. And that little child, he didn't. Oh, my Lord. He's going to. Uh-huh. You have messed up, nigra. Mr. Fuller says, hey, by the time they are 15 or so, they have a Ph.D. in white supremacy racism. The evidence that I've seen may be way earlier than 15. Five, four, six, three. Clip number two, Aaron Henderson. I think I said Anderson before. Names are important. Aaron Henderson. Both of those in Florida. Polk County, Florida, no less. I think that's North Florida. That's uh, I call in the courthouse area. Aaron Henderson. How do you get run over in a porta potty by a bulldozer? I don't have like licensing. I have worked on a construction site briefly but I was not allowed to operate machinery I don't even think they would allow me uh, to have a nail gun but I don't think bulldozers like you don't see them going 70 miles an hour does that happen if I'm just an ignorant coon you can let me know like for reals I know we got some cows listeners who work construction so if if the bulldozers do actually go like 50 miles an hour, 35 miles an hour, something like that. Hey, let me know. Gus, you don't know what the heck you're talking about. Hush it up. Like, my bad. My fault. I've never seen a bulldozer going that fast. Like, normally on construction sites, they are going real slow. They are not built for speed. At least the ones that I've seen. They're normally going so slow that, I mean, you could almost, like, nudge somebody with the bulldozer. And it wouldn't be that you ran over them like you pushed them or you bumped them you would have enough time like oh man i nudged you fred my fault it wouldn't be i ran over and be like oh man i bumped fred with the bulldozer how do you run 
over and kill someone in a porta potty? How would it not be? Boom! I hit. Oh man! I hit the put. If at minimum, ooh, did I get you in? My my fault. My my fault. My fault. I, I was not paying attention. My fault. I was. I, I had a little sauce last night. I'm a little hungover. We talked about that last week. My my fault. My fault. I, uh, you take the rest of the day, get cleaned up, and all that. I didn't. I wasn't even paying attention, man. Mm, mm, mm. So I think they just emptied it, so it shouldn't be too bad. My my fault. I didn't. Got a little drop on you. My bad. That should have been at worst. How was it that you rent? You killed him in a bulldozer? <sighs> Construction site is 2022. This is not Neanderthal time. I would want the video let me see exactly what this looked like and what i just said did we get a blood test like immediately something like this happens they have insurance and all that for construction sites like immediately let me get a blood sample alcohol test all of that let's see if you want any opioids i already said that let's see right now all of that. I would want all that information released. He was totally clean. Nothing in his system. The only thing he had that morning was a Red Bull. That's it. And only a half of that. That's what I want to see. Not liquor. All the rest of it. They checked. Because that just doesn't even make sense. Like I said, if somebody who's on a construction site and they have seen where, hey, Porta Potty is a dangerous place to be. Can't mess around. I've seen that. You almost had five or twelve people get killed, ran over by a bulldozer in a portal. Like what? From my experience, generally the placement of the porta potty on a construction site is generally away from the main area of construction and where the digging and all of that would be happening is generally nowhere near the porta potty. You'd have to tell, like I said. I'm not an expert on construction work, so, you know, feel free. Gusty, you just don't know what the hell you're talking about. That might be true. If we have any folks who work construction, let us know. But, I mean, that just sounds all kinds of... What? You should be going slow enough. Aaron Hernandez, it should have been, boop, you hit it. I should have time to actually get up, pull my pants up, and come out and fuss at you. What are you doing? I'm in the bathroom. Oh, my fault. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My bad. My, my bad. My bad. Not oops, squished him and the porta potty. What? That's the system of white supremacy racism that we have. So, you know. Uh the number again is seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. I've said it for years, you have to prioritize your safety in the workplace, like above everything construction site really anywhere whether it's related pertaining to COVID-19 or anything else you really have to be you know aggressively alert mindful about your because who wants that sort of thing in the port I have no idea you know but Mr. Henderson what he was up to that day and all that just saying like man that could be me that could be you any of us that's the <laughs> total lack of regard for black life under any circumstances and I mean hey that is so that is so absurd like I can't even fathom that's so absurd they may have just said hey today we're going to kill a nigger in the workplace and it's going to be you Aaron Hernandez 
Henderson, excuse me, Aaron Henderson. It's going to be you. Anywho, uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in. Again, if we have any folks who work construction, don't let Gusty have me up here talking crazy. Uh, let us know. Because that just does not sound possible, logical at all. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up, proceed. Bay Area mom. Yes, ma'am. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Greetings to everyone on the line. No, I've never worked construction. Um, It's rather dangerous, so I, uh, for children, taught dad did construction. And um, as far as the bulldozer, I'm sure the guy driving was not. Your uh, volume dropped a little bit. It was up high and then it went down. Oh. Sorry, can you hear me? Much better. Okay, super. Sorry about that. Um, so I was saying that I'm, I'm sure that the uh, driver of the bulldozer was not black because they didn't even see a crime there versus if I believe if he were black, um they would have immediately tested his uh, alcohol uh, drugs or anything immediately. I don't know how fast that uh, thing was going, um, but to run over a porta potty that had to be um, awful. Um, oh, yucky, because it's already yucky in there. Yikes. And then, oh, dear, just to go out like that. My stars. And... Um, I don't know about charging them right. I think something should happen, and I think they should have had insurance. It have to be some kind of insurance um, for these gentlemen um, and ladies that that are on these sites. So, so I don't know because it was an accident, um, it seems, so far. It was an accident, so I don't know about charging them, but I do know if he was black, uh they would have been charged. They would have been paid by now, and he would have been very fired, probably be in jail. Um, oh, the second clip that you played just now, um, dear, uh, can't remember. Dear, I can't remember. Um, Mr. Okay, Ferguson. Mudlin. Oh, Mr. Ferguson. Um, Oh, the guy that lifted the kid up. Yeah, so my brain, my brain is, like, always in storage. So, anyway, yeah, the guy that uh, snatched the kid up off the ground by his throat. So, yeah. I I could never be a teacher. I barely do what I do. But I have uh, training for when they do run up. This kid didn't even run up, so I wouldn't have snatched him up. I wish people weren't so reactionary because I wouldn't have put my hands on him. I don't care what he called me. I wouldn't have, I just wouldn't have did it. Now, it's got to be something if you want to give him um, maybe some time after school or something. I would have did that before I would have snatched the kid up and yeah, I wouldn't have did. I don't. What? What was? Why would you do that? I don't care what he said. So I, I differ on this because I don't care what this child said. 
I'm not going to put my hands on this child. That's why he said what he said. What, 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 man, it's uh, good luck. You Do you know what you did, foolish Negro? Nobody's afraid of Negroes except for other Negroes. Nobody's afraid of us. Not even little kids, old ladies. So I would have never. Oh, my goodness. I, this is why I'm working with kids like that. I do what I do, but. I don't know, but I'm not gonna. I I'm not snatching nobody by the. Okay, anyway, um, I can't believe that. I really, I really can't believe that. That that bothered me. Um, you you read an email as well. Uh, da 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 da. Can't remember the email either. Oh, I shouldn't have called in. Um, I didn't go to work this week. Because I'm on spring break. But I was thinking about, um, because I have to go back on Monday. Um, uh, I had to buy another cord for my laptop that I use for school because I have to type some stuff before I go back to school. And I, I left my charger in one of the classes. I was thinking about this little girl. She is a... Uh, I guess her mother, now to come to find out, her mother is, uh, speaks Spanish and she's maybe Puerto Rican and Mexican, uh, whatever that means. And her father is black. Um, he's the one that I said her mother came up to the school and slapped her. Um, I'm not thinking that she's, uh, I thought the mother was black until. I asked her, um, asked her something. No, she was telling me she spoke Spanish because there's this one little guy standing next to me. We were in the lunchroom. This one little guy, he's, uh, very snacky. Him and his sister are real snacky side. They, they eat a lot of sweet treats, fatty snacks because they're real short and round. So it's two of them and they look like there's a cut to them. So their father is, uh, I'm kind of Arabian and uh, he speaks Arabic and the mother is black. You get that from the kids that they get to talking and stuff. So I got all that. And, you know, she, the little this girl was excited to share that. And so um, I always remember that. I was like, oh, okay, Lord. Okay, I get it. That's why y'all snacky. So um, cute little girl, but she, little, she not treated. <laughs> they, kids don't like her in school. So, uh, the other, uh, the boy, he was sitting next, uh, he's a fifth grader and the, the sister's a uh, fourth grader. So he was sitting next to the girl whose mother is Spanish. So, um, he's going to show me his skill. I know how to speak Arabic. And I looked at him. <laughs> so he thought about listening to him. So then the little girl was just like, yeah, because I speak Spanish. I speak, I speak Spanish. I was like, oh, cool. So when you go to junior high school, make that one of your electives because that will be an easy, you know, pretty easy for you to do since you're already familiar with the language. She's like, yeah, my mom is. That's when she told me her mom was whatever nationality. So the little boy sitting next to her. I speak Arabic. So I'm like, well, you better because your daddy ain't right, then you better speak Arabic. It's the least you can do. He got this thing. I'm gonna he got to talking all this stuff because he got to tell me he can speak, you know, Arabic. I was like, I'm sure you can speak Arabic. Your father's gonna make sure you Yeah, I'm sure. That's the point. 
he just looked at me. So as I'm talking to the little girl, I said, well, that explains a lot. So what I'm thinking is that explains a lot as to why her mother would slap her in, in school at class. And, well, you know, she's in the principal's office, but that would explain why she would slap her. And I'm not saying that. I'm just thinking because there's no real value on our life, because we're deemed as nothing globally, I could see why she would slap her. She's not black. Oh, look at you, just like slap and whatever that would. I, I could see why she would do that to her now. And then I see why also the school just follows her around as if she's just bound to do something, bound to shoot up the school, bound to just, just tear the whole school to where now. But I can talk to her and tell her, you know, don't don't react, don't react. Just think about it. Don't fight, don't fight. She only have a couple of more months. Um, and then you'll be in junior high. I was like, don't do this, don't do this, don't let. Like, it looks like the whole school is watching and waiting for you to do something you're not supposed to do, so don't do anything. And then she's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not. And then um, her mom had came up, to, uh, she had saw me, and um, she was saying, my mom um, bought me some lunch. It was a lunchable. And um, I was like, oh, good. She's like, yeah, she got me a lunch, uh, bought my lunch because I was being good. And I just thought that was interesting because we should feed the children anyway if they're good or not because that's supposed to be the job. But in order for you to get something that you'd like for lunch, you have to be good. That's kind of it's kind of strange. So I just I'm thinking about these children. All of them have so many different issues going up in schools, and I noticed how some are allowed chances to get turn their stuff around and others, especially the ones that look like us, they're they're just already set up for failure. This one lady told this Spanish boy, white teacher told him whatever she writes in his report, that follows him all the way through school. So it's like with that pen or the typewriter, whatever they're using to create files on these children, it really does follow them. So they have the power that's probably why a lot of the um, instructors are white as well, because they have a, the power to create your fate in the beginning. They 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 can they can write it. Huh? I make the decisions on what happens to you, buddy. So I'll mute my line. Um, thank you for uh, taking my call. Context of white supremacy. Much obliged. Our Bay Area caller. Mm-hmm. Pitiful all the way through. Um, so she said she's conceding like Gus, like we are not the most knowledgeable folks. Construction environment, right? Uh, we don't have all the, the qualifications and what have you, special licenses to go out and operate all the machinery and everything, but seeming a little odd for a steamroller to be going bulldozer to be going that fast over a porta pie I mean that's not exactly a speed but normally if I hit a speed bump at like 10 miles an hour that's whoa <laughs> if you got somebody else in the car like what in the world pull it over right now pull it over pull it over Gusty pull it over <laughs> breathalyzer I'm driving you hit a porta potty 
20 pots. If we have any folks for construction, like, like I said, who can make it, you know, make sense. I, what I'm not understanding that this is logical. Maybe you've ran over a whole porta potty on a construction site. I will learn something. 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate and as Bay Area mom as she was saying like just all of that that seems like oh yeah that what a way to go like oh in the ickiness of the put like yeah we got old Aaron Henderson old Nicra mm-hmm. they'd have to tell me like in the history of construction uh, oh we heard the do you have construction history sir let's hear it let's hear it Oh, no, no, no. I don't. I don't have construction history, but I'm in New York City, so I mean, there's tons of uh, construction. So, from my observation, the porta pot, the the porta potties, and again, like I said, I don't know where this was, if uh, what town, but normally they're away from the construction site. So, if they're doing construction, let's say in the street, the porta potties are normally on the sidewalk. Right. And I mean, there's so many, you know, I mean, there, there's so many like um, cones and and also they have workers that their whole job is just to stand there and direct traffic and also direct the bulldozers and the other um, heavy equipment. From my observation in the tri-state area, normally the jobs such as just um directing traffic and and directing the um the direction of uh of the heavy equipment normally is black people or people classified as hispanic and i'm not sure if this job pays a lot i've even seen females doing that job so i i, I really want to know like um where does this employee fit on a hierarchy and also how hard it is to get into some of these unions. So, you know, a lot of people are kind of like, um, um, a lot of nepotism where a lot of these, um, construction workers are family members of family member. So that could have a lot to do with this cover up, you know, um, who he's related to, who he's friends with, but, when I look on a construction site, the, the porta potties aren't like directly there. And again, they have people that's that that sole function is to watch out for traffic, pedestrians, and also uh, direct these uh, heavy machines on where when it's when it's okay to go. So I don't, you know, that's just my observation. That has been my observation pretty consistently uh, also where, as he said, one, they frequently when they have these big trucks and bulldozers and other large equipment spotters, I think sometimes they call them. That'll be their whole job. Just, you know, back up right here. Oh, oh stop. Stop. They have little hand signals and have a whole code. Right up. Oh, oh, stop right here. Stop right. They'll have flags and all the rest of it to help guide and make sure they don't run over anybody or run over the porta potty or both or any other equipment or knock the scaffolding down or anything else. 
uh, they have all of that. Uh, it's supposed to be real. Ca- and as he said, the porta potty is normally like away from wherever you know the constructing or bulldozing or whatever else is is happening. That is normally located far away. Uh, in addition to having spotters, and I mean, hey, we do need the porta potty. It would be good to not knock that over. I would need someone to explain it to me. Like, I, I would need the video. This is one, like, where is the video? Is 2022, like, construction sites have video cameras on them now so they can observe all this and they can do all their goofy time-lapse uh, footage so you can see, you know, everything happening or at least just for security purposes. So let's see the footage. What did this look like? You got to show me. You have to show me something that that is believable where this was not a, oh, yeah, we're going to get Aaron Henderson today. This was a legitimate, as he said, no crime here. This was just a tragic accident. Let me see the footage. And uh, let me see the blood result, the blood test. Check urine results, all of that. He had nothing in his system, no beer, no nothing. This was just a real tragic whoops. It just doesn't make sense to me, but maybe they got that on camera. Uh, the number again, 720-716-7300, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Our uh, Bay Area mom, as she was saying, if you're a school teacher, really any job, but I say especially if you're like an educator, that is a good one to have in mind. Uh, and even to be sharing, if you have children that are going out into the workforce, hey, no one is afraid of black people. You might hear all that nonsense, but ooh, the intimidating, angry black people. Ooh, no one is afraid of black people. If you are thought of in a workplace as a intimidating, angry black person, all it means generally is you're not going to get promoted, not going to get that raise. We have any openings not going to you. You're an angry black woman. You're an angry black male. You got a complex of some sort. That's all it means. It doesn't mean ooh, we got to watch. Him. Oh, good morning, sir. How you doing? sir? That's not what it means. Nobody is afraid of you. I mean, you really have to have that because I think some of us, we get confused and think, oh, yeah, I'm a black male. They're afraid of me. Mm, I show my voice and psh, 11-year-old white children are not afraid of but I don't care how many muscles you have you can go out and bench press a whole car pick up an SUV with one finger <laughs> you're a nigger who can pick up an SUV with one finger and I'll bring my six-year-old out here have you crying by afternoon real sad but I mean gotta be truthful about this you don't you got a record because a race soldier that's 13 years old who weighs 100 pounds called you a nigra and laughed in your face about it and told you what's going to happen. You're about to lose your job. Go to jail, buddy. Nigra. In your feelings, that's what I told you. In your feelings, that's what happens. Are you serious? And then, that's when you play that back with Mr. Ferguson. Now, who is more informed about white supremacy racism? You want to take that example? Mr. Ferguson more informed or white teenager? I told you, you got to watch the video to believe this. 
300 pound muscular black male and a 14 year old white child looks like he's probably in the ninth grade did he go off running Ooh, mr black man is gonna kill me and eat me and rape me nope got up off the ground after he had been choked into the wall he got up caught his breath <laughs> nigra you messed up today now who's more informed about racism Anywho, uh, incidentally, it seems like Lunchables come up a lot when she's talking about food. Uh, Bay Area Mount Lunchables and Oreos. Like, eh. uh, that right there is mentioned when they talk about all the processed uh, foods and what have you that leads to cancer, which we already heard about. Uh, lunch that is nothing but processed uh, meat products, ham and turkey and all that nonsense, and then processed cheese, like. That is hard. And I used to love Lunchables when I was their age going to school, too. They've had those for a long time. But that is horrible. Like, that is nothing that I would feed to to fresh fruits, vegetables. That's what we should be eating. Not processed cheese, processed meats, white crackers, all that salt and sodium. Absolutely horrible. Cholesterol, fat, salt. Nothing nourishing there at all. Uh, and then they'll make that the reward, right? They'll say you get a Lunchable if you do well today or if you behave or don't, you know, cut up in class. I totally agree, too. There's something about that. Like, it's it, even beyond, you know, it being bad food most of the time. But, like, why should food be a reward? Like, you got to eat regardless. You should be eating quality foods, healthy foods, regardless. Like, the reward should be something not food because they do that like system of white sometimes it's oh we got a reward now you can't get any better that take punishment now you can't get food you can't get any dinner you got to go to bed with no dinner and what have you like what what the, the delectable negro that right there like all this around food that's what you do with slaves like you behave well you get an extra piece of cornbread today oh you didn't behave well today no cornbread for you like what is that no more slave punishments and no more slave treats either like regardless of behavior what have you everybody eats we can come up with a better reward for 2022 everybody is supposed to eat that's a human right right and it shouldn't be that you get gruel because you didn't behave well and if you did behave well oh well you can get some fresh organic kumquats and oranges and banana but like what what everything uh, all, so many of the that I think I don't think we would just think about like that is kind of weird like is that the way things should be is that the way things would be if there was a system of justice anywho no lunchables regardless processed food fruits vegetables fruits vegetables fresh fruits and fresh vegetables it's summertime too we got into in california like man take them to the farmer's market like lunch well we can have all kinds of fresh produce man anywho's uh let's see number again 720-716-7300 the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate until justice at gmail.com. Uh, folks have 
emails and what have you that they would like to send in. Uh, let's see. I'll check my email as well. Other folks who doubt it. Again, if we have construction workers, please do not spectate on this one. You work construction site. I know we have some folks. I don't know if they're listening live today or not, but we have folks you've worked on a construction site. Let us know. Should that have you ever heard of that happening? Even in fact, you can take the whole murder element of it out. Have you ever, 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 if you've worked on a construction site, if you hear this in the archives, write in. Have you ever heard of the porta potty being like totally ran over on a construction site? Ever. I've worked on a construction site for longer than a month. I can remember people deliberately blocking the porta potty as a prank. That's why I said, like, all of this just seems like, oh, yeah. Aaron Henderson, we had it in for you, buddy. Nigra. But I've seen that where people deliberately and admitted that, oh, yeah, I deliberately blocked the door to the porta potty to basically hold someone hostage in there for like an hour or two. Oh, yeah, I've seen that, but not like ran over the entire. But what? What? Again, I confess I could be a total idiot. Maybe I just haven't worked enough time on a construction site. If we do have such folks, don't you be a spectator today. 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Let's see. Oh, wait a minute. Did we get another email? We got an email. This is unfortunately not related to construction work. So uh, if we got until justice at gmail.com, different email. This is an update from person uh, driving the school bus. He said, I work today and I dropped off my last load of students at my last stop. Just prior to reaching the last stop, four of the students who can be classified as non-black, non-white Hispanics told me to bring them some fried chicken next time. These are eighth graders and they already are behaving like this. Unbelievable. By the way, I submitted two applications yesterday. I cannot wait to leave. Incidentally, I would I thought he was going to say submitted two reports. I would write them up as well for that behavior uh, so that there can be documented uh, reports of ongoing terrorist behavior by these students on the bus that this is not an isolated incident that this is the culture of the students where they just engage in racist abuse of the driver all the time uh, looking at your black ass and bring us some fried chicken and blah 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 and all the rest of it like I don't know, he said 8th grade so 8th grade is like 13 12 13 years old generally speaking that's the, that is ahead of like I said like Mr. Fuller brilliant I just think it's you know you can slide the age down a little or quite a bit actually like if they're doing fried chicken jokes at 12, 13 years old, eh, I'm going to go eight, seven, six, like I said, somewhere there, maybe even earlier. But definitely by the time that they're like middle school, 11, 12, 13, they got it. They might still hang out with the Negro or whatever. But I mean, hey, they already got all of the particulars about racist man, racist woman, what my obligations are. They got all of that, man. They just, you know getting their finishings off and whatever and their refinements over the next you know couple years or so 
make reports uh, of these young folks exactly what they said and that's another one again is 2022 most of the school buses they will have recording so this will be easy to substantiate i would just document bam 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 right all of them up have the whole bus suspended or whatever else they can do in terms of punitive measures for their conduct and if they hire someone hopefully you'll get a much better job with well-behaved students uh if the next person who takes that spot if it's a non-white person they won't have to deal with all this you can submit lots of reports so that they already know that this is a widespread problem and the discipline already be handed down so they'll get their act together maybe uh let's see other folks who dialed in with a hand up if y'all have commentary to share Line should be open. Proceed. See, folks, taking a moment to get there thoughts together we should be here uh saturday compensatory call at 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific we'll catch up on what has gone down over the past seven days on the uh plantation wacky springtime thus far uh we'll make sense of that uh and be prepped moving forward uh have updates on upcoming broadcasts hopefully we'll be able to get the white author of the book on the lynching of Zachariah Walker on the program within the next few days or so as well. Uh, just learned about him in the book club as we continue along. But check in tomorrow. We'll have updates on news for the past seven days as well as uh, upcoming broadcasts for the remainder of April. Uh, let's see. Uh, while folks are taking their time to get. Uh, I'm sorry. I want this year observation. Oh, this Robin, Southern California. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. Uh, when I was hearing the uh, young black female being rewarded for um, correct behavior with food, um, it put me in the mind of uh, how people train dogs. Um, and I'm in California. And so I've never seen a dog in a baby stroller and or a dog on the city bus, uh, which are things that um, is widely done in California. And so when you're training a dog, when they perform a correct behavior action, you reward them with a food treat. Thank you. that is super popular out here in Seattle having the dog in the um, baby stroller type of a thing or any other contraption that is meant for a human baby mm -mm. have the canine in it and in the as he said uh, coming in the grocery store and everywhere else just like it's our little child little, little Grover here oh he's great little Fido treated better than negras that might come up on neutralizing workplace racism uh i mean excuse me on the compensatory call in tomorrow uh might come up on the program uh the canines which is worth more black lives or the canine no contest 
no contest. Uh, but yeah, that is how they uh, train dogs, I think. They have little Scooby snacks or whatever it is. And if they do something, well, like, oh, you did a great look, you little nigga. And boom, they give them a little Scooby snack, a little treat or whatever, and a pat on the head or what have you. And the same thing, if you mess, you go out and dig up the rose garden or what have you, chew up the furniture. Well, maybe, you know, no dinner for you tonight. See? same thing <laughs> like i'm not a dog and we should move away from all of the slave punishments too like i do not want an extra piece of cornbread nor do i want a lunchable i would like a healthy lunch that is not going to kill me or put me on a path for diabetes is that asking too much yes oh okay give me my lunchable then context of white supremacy i hope we do not have folks at least live listening right who are construction workers if you listen to the archives like i said you can write in give us your experience uh via working on a construction site uh but that is going to stick in my craw and that i didn't hear about aaron uh aaron henderson sooner uh that you know to any of the folks to see well, you shouldn't check the news you know because that's a waste of time and they lie in the news well i don't know if they lied about aaron henderson being deceased and how he died at least i haven't heard any reports of that checking the news is super important frequently they'll have a lot of information about the work environment and things that you know are important to know so that can be one reason check the news at minimum sometimes you get reminders like Wow, I really have to be alert when I'm in the workplace about my health and safety. And that goes for everything. COVID-19, using the porta potty, how they use equipment in your workspace, every unwanted touching that encompasses a variety of potential dangers, hazards. Be my carpal tunnel, having correct posture, body alignment in your workplace. That's when they got the folks working the East Bay Municipal District, they got them. Go in the garbage bin if you need some office supplies. They over, they got the 2000, the spring 2022 office max, office depot uh, calendar. I'm out here in the, the garbage dumpster. I think I found the keyboard that's got half the keys still on it. Filing cabinet that's got one drawer left. black get me now plantational they said that's my word mr fuller does not have that in the word guys so that's gutsy that is plantational and no training uh other folks uh with commentary that they wanted to make sure they got in may i be heard caller in florida is polk county is that close to you or i guess i could fast forward and just get to had you heard about aaron henderson black male who was ran over in the porta potty in polk county florida no no sir this is the first time i've heard about it polk but county that's your, about polk. is that you polk county that's close to you yes sir it's close to where i'm at right on when it when it comes to uh the that um that news story that does sound unique to me i've never heard of anything like that uh porta potty being uh ran over by i guess that was a bulldozer um and it, and i noticed uh it was a i guess it was like a metaphor where the person uh, who was the narrator 
you said, the, the wheels of justice moving forward. And then, you know, thinking of a vehicle, you know, the, the wheels on the bulldozer, you know, I'm thinking, well, that's some kind of a, I don't know, some kind of a pun or something. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that, that is, that's a unique situation to me as well. I've never heard of that. Uh, as far as the, the workplace, Oh, and also the the other the other story about the the uh, the white teen, the white child, um, definitely sounds more informed, um, not ignorant about racism. And I just thought about Dylan Roof up in uh, I guess that's what South Carolina, um, well versed in racism. He's like, oh, well, you're you're in for it, or you're going to be in trouble. You're, you're in your feelings, things like that. Um, but there, there's some observations that I have uh, that have been going on in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I wanted to start out with the, it's, it's some from the recent March edition newsletter. I mean, you know, we got metaphors, uh, you know, comparisons to a Pixar movie. I'll have to get into that one, but this one is about, it's a section called the gold star where you have, um, coworkers send in an email about a fellow coworker that's done something, I guess, uh, worth commending or something like that, giving a compliment. And out of all of my years, it'll be 11 years. In June, I, I've never seen where it's an anonymous, right? Like, because they give, they write out what the um, what the compliment is. Usually, it's from a customer, or it is also from a coworker. So it's two of them that said anonymous. One of them was I mentioned this a few weeks ago a white man uh, who isn't labeled a supervisor, which white supremacy is being displayed here. He's speaking to a black couple, a black male and a black female. So that's what this first uh, gold star paragraph is talking about this incident that this white man and a white woman were quote-unquote, beyond professional with two customers who they had to keep repeating things to. And the tone of it sound like definitely it was a white person. And I've been thinking, who could this have been? Now, it was a person I recently thought of that I didn't think of before on a racist suspect list who could have, you know, been on at that counter. Uh, and I think she did that because she didn't want her name put in the circuit writer in the newsletter. So it was read as anonymous. Okay. And the, the second one was, uh, another anonymous, which I think it was the same person. And it was talking about another, uh, click member on a different day saying that it was a person that was upset and, you know, this white woman 
helped her through her frustrations and 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 later on in the paragraph it had in parentheses saying well once again it wasn't us it wasn't the courthouse staff so uh defending another white person i just think that it's it's a particular white woman that had just joined the uh the the staff not too long ago i wanted to mention that and i think deception is involved in that but yet she'll walk around wanting to do you know a handshake to certain black people doing fist bumps right um uh slang and everything um but will do something like this my next one is the uh i had a, a white woman mentioned to me something that the white supervisor asked her about a customer. I guess this uh, COVID-19 related because, see, now in our county, we've uh, been instructed to either choose to wear the mask or we don't have to wear the mask, but we still have our CDC guidelines um, signs up on the doors and everything, but I'm still choosing to wear my mask. So this white woman says, yeah, like this, she just actually came to me and said, why were you sitting so close to her? You know? And it sounded like it was one of those, um, interactions where one white person will talk to another white person in a way that they won't talk to somebody non-white because the customer in question is a guardian on a uh, DCF case, you know, a sensitive case. Only certain people can see information from the case, you know, a black female. So this person comes in there all of the time. The white woman never said that to me about why are you sitting close to this person? You know, and she doesn't even like to come over there because remember, this is the side that's segregated with the dark-skinned people, me and two other people. So she happened to be one of the white people that was over there at the time helping the black female. So I think uh, my supervisor was practicing white supremacy um, because this white woman was saying like, Hey, you know, she doesn't really help give us any kind of protection or anything to help these customers. So we just have to sit well, you know, wherever we are. But she made it seem like the person had a disease. I guess that, you know, I don't want to try and get into no metaphor, but that's how intense it seemed like to me from how the person said it. But I helped this person out multiple times. And this was never said to me, you know, she never asked me that question. Why am I sitting near her? You know, we're masked and everything and the customers don't have to wear a mask. White people come in there with no mask on, you know, even the the core staff, the judges, they're not, they're not wearing masks. But this one black lady, she wanted to uh, ask a question about why are you so close to her? Um, my next two is we, we had, uh, April fools. So the first one is 
the same white woman that's on the other side now, where pretty much the white people are, she came over to where we were at by the end of the day and said to the black female that works over in our area, oh, well, did, did, did anybody tell you about what we're going to do? On Friday, because it was on it was on uh, last Friday, I believe, April the first. You know, we're we're gonna plan to call in all at the same time, and uh, and not come to work and come to work late or something like that. I said no. I'm not. <laughs> I said I'm I'm not doing that. When she looked over at me, I am not doing that. You know, um. Uh, and I said some metaphor. I said I'm, I'm five star most wanted or something. I used a metaphor, you know. Uh, and I just said I'm not going to be doing that. And uh, the black female said, "Oh, well, such and such. She'll she'll have a fit. She'll be really upset if we did that." But when Friday came, they never actually did it. But just the fact that they were discussing planning on doing that you know that's something i've never encountered as well but that had to be something a bunch of the uh white members of the clique of course uh were talking about doing and there was another um a joke that was sent out over the email by the new hr and the joke read what do you call no, 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 it wasn't, wasn't that. It was, why are people so tired on April 1st because they just finished the 31-day march? You know, I never heard of that joke before, and I'm just real suspicious of jokes, and there's always some kind of racial uh, connotation or something, you know, double meanings, triple meanings or whatever. You know, civil white civil rights march, things like that. Um, and then there was another one involving a joke. There's a, a victim of racism that works on the other side in civil. She says she overheard like four white people over there on the counter, and they were whispering really low. And she thought, or she suspected that they were. I guess, um, sharing something about a racist joke. And she said something about it being about Sambo or something like that. So she wanted to hear more about the joke. So she stood up, you know, and, and pretended to stretch or something like that and yawn or something. There's a new white, a, a new white woman that I don't know. I guess she has COPD or whatever it is. So she had these coughing fits, right? So she wasn't coughing before the black female stood up. She was quiet and was listening to what these other white women were saying. These other, you know, chat, click gang, white women were saying. And they were really quiet. So she stood up and then all of a sudden she starts coughing. Right. So she did that. You know, we agreed that it was some form of code to uh to 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 signal that a black person was um 
was showing caution and was being suspicious that they may have been sharing something racist. Uh, she didn't really get all of the joke or what it was, but uh, I wanted to share that as well. Uh, and I had, I had, uh, I had one more I wanted to share in that same area, but it's like in traffic. There's a white woman, another white woman, a different one, who she had like she had that one child that was using the word nigger. And she was saying that, you know, we don't use that word and everything like that. So she wanted to take three weeks off from what I'm hearing, from what's being reported to me. Uh, and apparently she's been rejected in that request. So she was heard saying, well, hey, if I don't, if I don't get to take these three weeks off, I'm just going to just take these weeks off or something and I'm going to just call, you know, her boyfriend, which also works in the office, and tell him not to come into work on a trial week. So uh, she's being demanding in that way, arrogant, entitled. So it's a lot of that uh, mentality being shown, white supremacy, white females, white women. I want to stress that they are showing a lot of racism. Um, and that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Got the racist jokes in North Florida oh, for the springtime. I can't believe it. Uh, much obliged our, our caller in the great sunshine state. Um, the right incidentally Dr. Kamal Kambon has been a guest on the program many times he said hey write a letter and I just did that I can I love it when I can reference something and I can say hey, I'm not just out here talking nonsense Gusty does this as well and I mean like just did this try to do this as often as I can if you get quality service competent service uh, from a black person anywhere really write a letter like write it up Dr. Cambon uh, now he says hey do a handwritten letter he's that really makes an impression hey it's 2022 like for a lot of things you can get like an immediate response if you do an email text whatever it is social media but man if you can write something up you know date April 8 uh, today such and such uh, Jonathan uh, Winston he was spectacular you know I, I got there I needed some financial help he was amazing he was so patient competent he answered all of my questions and didn't make me feel like an idiot or whatever I wouldn't care if you went to uh, the bank uh, if you went to the post office you went to the dry cleaner like wherever the airport whatever travel agency uh, if you got a black person, they gave you great service, right? Because it seems white people do that. Said so they do their little anonymous hookups. Oh, she was great. Oh, she was awesome. Little interracial couple came in and had to keep saying things, and she was so patient. Just bravo. That's just amazing. Another one. Oh, she was amazing. God was in there. It was difficult. I thought he was going to say, uh, fella came in there and we had to press the panic button, and she kept her cool. She pressed the panic button, kept everybody safe, and we got him promptly out of there, snatched that old no-count nigger out of there. But 
I love it. Great job using the panic button. Uh, he said that the white woman came in and she was doing the uh, fist bumps and all the rest of it, the slang and what do you know? We've heard that from so many uh, folks where they have a white person who does this sort of thing in the workplace. Uh, I am so like none of that. Like I'm not the first time I don't do any fist bumps. They come by and they're trying to do some, you know, whatever it is, Negro slang. Like I be as stiff, really be as professional as possible. They're doing whatever thing. Hmm? I'm sorry, Miss Johnson. Hmm. Well, you have a pleasant afternoon, Miss Johnson. <laughs> I never, you never talk like that in the workplace, so I'm never engaging or responding when you speak to me with that sort of, you know, whatever nigger talk. Uh, let's see. The she comes up to talk to the white person. Uh, I guess the white person went out in the segregated section to help some black. Uh, customer, what have you, get her documents or what have you. It's like, oh my God, we sixteen sitting so close to her. For my goodness, oh my Lord, you're contaminated. <laughs> I thought this was Ron DeSantis land. Like they kind of bragged, but you know, we're not, we're not putting on a mask. Not gonna have my child running around here wearing a mask and all. Like they bragged about this. We're not doing all that mandatory testing and all the rest of it. He said the people had been running around with no mask on. Uh, left and right he does he's not even required to wear when he said the the customers aren't required to wear a mask like what are you talking about like sound like one of these kooky uh crazy nuts wanting us all to have a mask on and everything you mean sitting next to and you can put a pun in a pin in that one we will hear that again tomorrow compensatory call in like ooh, stay away from the negros ooh contagious woo stay away from the negras long and if that was the case then we wouldn't be reading the book that we are right now in the book club dear senator stay away from the negras well then stay away from the negras they don't do that uh let's see even some of the people in his office they just had the wedding see they don't do that uh let's see the April Fool's Day. Now, see, that's why I said all that uh, nonsense. I don't even know how that got to be a holiday. <laughs> just things that are just peculiarities of white supremacy culture. April Fool's Day. We have a whole day just to lie. They'll call it pranks. And that's sort of, who I know what we should all call out mm, or we should all call in late. Won't that be fun? <laughs> Some, I mean we're professional again this is the courthouse I say that all the time like you know I guess maybe if this was like a brothel or Chuck E. Cheese maybe like oh okay that's be goofy that sort of thing <laughs> the courthouse really like he said I can't even imagine having this sort of discussion like the people who work there generally are a little bit older like they generally don't have employees all working at the courthouse who are like college interns 19 years old to 20 year olds who are just you know uh, fret boys and what have you who are planning parties and all the rest of it like these are people who have children some of the folks he said they just had the party for the lady she's been working there for 30 years that's what you're thinking about Ooh, it's April Fool's Day what kind of prank can we have Ooh. uh huh 
I'm good. Not participating in any of that. Oh, what? Oh, it'll be fun. And then that's the sort of thing as he said now. Okay, so we're all going to come in late. Okay, 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 okay. And then you sign on to do it. And then you end up being the only one, everybody else, they ain't on time. And then you come bossing in at 11. What? Is this? Is it April? April? Y'all didn't? I'm the only? Uh-oh. <laughs> Man, I got to be sitting. Oh, no. Am I going to be written up? Oh, I'm getting tr- I thought we were doing it. And I got to go in stumbling and fun. Well, you see, it was April Fool's. And I thought everyone said. And, and then... As he said, you already as a nigra, you already got one mark as a fool. You don't want to, you know, be mess messing around and taking it. You let them do all the office uh, hijinks and what have you. Professional. That's what keeps professional, professional. That's why I'm not trying to go out and do happy hour. Professional. That's not I'm not name calling everybody. That's not why I'm not why I'm not gossiping and what have you professional that's what we're trying to exude professionalism not office pranks uh and then professionalism because those office pranks and what have you not just said now once they you know get into that sort of environment we had the fellow before the school employee who said they're up there what do you call in german when you get the Vaseline on the penis. I said, now, hey, in that sort of environment, we are about 30 seconds away from a racist joke. That's why I wouldn't participate in any of that. Here to be professional. The racist joke pops up at the courthouse. Now, he didn't even know that's pitiful. When you got, you got, I think if I heard it right, got a white person come up and say, oh, heard them whispering in the corner. Think they're sharing some sort of racist joke. Like, are you serious? It's 2022. Like, what? What? Why do you think they're telling a racist joke? Like, well, I don't know, but I, I heard Sambo. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> like, why at the courthouse? Now again, I guess if we're at the brothel, you know, okay, we got to get in a quick one. You never heard the new one that I heard about Sambo. It's 2022. Let me say that <laughs> they're making jokes at the courthouse about Sambo in 2022. Who's ignorant about racism, white supremacy? Because I know we got some people here like Sambo? What is Sambo? Mm-hmm. Anywho, so they're over here Sambo. <laughs> At the courthouse. What a disgrace. All the way around. I would just put that in. Write that one down. Mm-hmm. Sam on the racist jokes. Mm-hmm. Right, right after April Fool's Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said you should expect that. Uh, any work environment. Racist jokes and or be called a nigra. None of that is surprising. Stunning. All of that is, you know, that's what racism, white supremacy is. Uh, let's see. The. Oh, my God. The set man. You want to talk about professionalism? I have never in my life. You put in your request. Now I realize like, hey, 
many people, no one in Florida, but whatever, many people have, you know, had to shut down vacation plans and family reunions and all kinds of things over the last two years. So I get it. People, you know, putting in their plans right now. We are cutting the pool this summer. I get it. You put in your plans. They did not. No, you can't get, you know, your three weeks or whatever it is for the vacation. What? What do you mean? Okay. 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 I bet I take it anyway. I bet I take it anyway. Matter of fact, call up. She said, my husband works and is the attorney. I bet I call up one of the attorneys and wait till they have a big case and get him to take time off too. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Time out. Time out. Time out. Like, again, this is not Taco Bell. This is the court. Unless I'm confused, they have cases about termination of parental rights. real serious matters people come in there I'm looking to get you know deeds for property and all this I mean real important matters are happening here your neighbors might need to come and get information taken business marriages my goodness all kinds of things not just we're in the middle of the pandemic and you know whatever I'm not a team player. I don't care if you all are short staffed. I don't care if the segregated section, y'all don't have enough people and y'all have to work extra. I don't care. Taking my time off anyway. And I'm so spiteful about you all trying to deny me my time. I'm going to get some other people to take off and cause you some extra problems. What? Beyond, you know, that's your thought process. We are the people who suffer from this. Like, you're not punishing like some people on a different planet or in a different state we are the ones who would suffer if you did that who gets to behave that way not just you know that I can brazenly tell you all this is what I'm thinking you know I'm this upset about you denying my plan that I have my whole plan of sabotage and I'm going to take the time anyway which might be in subordination Maybe. I don't know. If you're a white person, maybe that doesn't apply. But I mean, I could not imagine in any universe a black male, even if I was chief of medical staff, even if I was the warden, I put in my request for vacation time. It gets denied. I broadcast. I'm going to take this time anyway. And... I'm going to see if I can get some other co-workers to call out. Wow. You all are that afraid. I just said nobody's afraid of the black man. Wow. I can say that out loud. No repercussions. We can't have that sort of attitude in the workplace. You're encouraging other people to be insubordinate and not we're understaffed, man. What's wrong with you? We've had two years of the pandemic. We don't even have full staff here. And you're talking about taking off all this time and to do what? What are you going to do for this three weeks? Is this like, are you going to do something constructive? You going to take care of a family member that's ill? Or is this you going to do some frolicking in the summertime? Some nonsense. Go hunting, maybe. He had some folks, they were bragging about their pictures. Go out with the wedding and get my hunting rifle. I don't know. Maybe she had a constructive activity planned for that period of time, but... Yee, I've seen where a lot of individuals classified as white. When they get free time, 
uh, what is it, Sturgis, South Dakota, where they go up with the motorcycles and what have you, it ends up being something that is not constructive. Judging by her attitude. Can I add a detail? Uh oh, let's see. <laughs> yes, here. Let's hear it. Yes, sir. I think it may have something to do with the uh, the child care. I'm guessing, but I'm not entirely sure on that. Um, but yeah, she definitely is showing the uh, the attitude, the entitlement, um, the racism, white supremacy. Uh, and real quick on that joke about April Fools. This was an email sent to the entire staff. Um and after the joke and the punchline, uh it had a sentence under it where she typed it says shout out to and she named a white woman supervisor, her son for giving us this joke. The the child Maybe like in what fifth grade, sixth grade, twelve years old. So that's where she got this joke from. So races and training, and and that's it. Thank you. So if it's from the child, so for them that would mean we're not going to school. Like <laughs> for April first, we're not going to school, or we're going to show up late. That's another one where I think if I was black, like, ooh, I don't know. This, they got that scene in uh, King Richard uh, where that's like, hey, that might be grounds to call social services. Like, man, we got some wayward parenting here. You got truancy, uh, rampant truancy, and then discouraging other people from showing up and getting their education. What's going on here? That's embarrassing. Like, I can't even... I mean, again, talk about bragging. You said this is not just I'm so confident and secure that I can say this. We've been saying the whole time. Don't just be talking. Email. That way you can have it. Timestamp. Electronic record of everything. I'm sending it out in email. April Fool's joke. We just don't show it. Now, I mean, hey. Unless this is, hey, we're just messing around. This is it. But again, in my view, that's just promoting a whole lot of foolishness. It's not professional. We're the courthouse. Why are we even, you know, why are you wasting time? Well, we got to go through and read this. Don't we have work to do? They have information that has to be cataloged uh, in the archive section. They got the whole record of racist deeds and all that. We don't have anything more constructive to do than sit around and send out nonsense about April Fool's Day. We are not. I mean, I can understand if we were 11. Yes. Okay. That's what we do. We sit around and think about nonsense. We are not 11. We have a serious job to do as opposed to gossip and foolishness. Let's get to work. Just a thought. Just a thought. And again, that's why all about professionalism. I don't participate in the gossip. I don't participate in the racist jokes. I don't participate in disparaging other employees or this or the when they want to come around and decorate the office and put up a whole lot of tackiness I'm cool on all that too let's get some work done that's what we're about being professional courteous but professional in the workplace 
saying by keeping that in mind as well. I'm going to be professional, and I also expect that I might be called Sambo by the end of the day. I'll be prepared for that, too. Uh, with that, we did our three hours. Uh, much obliged for folks' participation. Hope it was worthy of your Friday evening. Uh, we should be here on Saturday. Uh, compensatory call it. As I said, now keep in mind, sitting close to a black person, yee. You want to sit next to them? Get away from them! Get away! Keep that in mind for tomorrow. Compensatory call in, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. With that, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy, uh, white supremacy racism. We will need fully functioning brain computers to solve this problem. Uh, in addition to being sober. If you are out and about, uh, if you see someone being rowdy and loud, exit. This is not a time for confrontations with strangers. You have no idea if this person is armed. They might have an entire armed entourage. Uh, if you did not leave your residence prepared to die and or kill, exit. Uh, in addition, if you're in a vehicle, you're sober, you're buckled up, you're not on the cell phone. Uh, we need all of our attention. And we are doing the small things we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. That said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times. In all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately. No name calling, no gossiping, no playing around with sex. Dr. Welsing talked about that all the time. Like, man, when I hear people who say they are big students of hers, that is one she talked about passionately all the time. No playing around with sex. The throwaway children, we hear about that from educators all the time and all over the world. No throwaway black children. Like, man, we can start minimizing if not totally eliminating the numbers of throwaway black children Whew. moving at warp speed towards solving this problem no playing around with area 8 going a long long way to accomplishing Dr. Welsing's objective our cosmic assignment replace white supremacy with justice immediately Cow signing out thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. Right. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>